Well, Narco Couch, the best place to show your friends to get your gaming goodness each and every Monday. My name's Dylan Blight, and joining me on the couch this week, Ashley Holdley. Hey, Dylan, excited to be here and excited that we got into the spirit of video games in 2022 and we're delayed. True. Delayed by two months. That's right. This episode coming out on April 27th. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, we were delayed. I'll see you. Kieran Marchant. When do we start releasing podcasts that like look slightly different or like a, just a different element like we just do like arcade couch but just a completely different topic and we just color change the uh the the, the logo a little bit. in case you missed our fifth birthday anniversary stream that happened over the weekend we did announce a brand new podcast a spin-off podcast it's called arcade couch between the cushions um, the, pr- I'm, I, I know Please. when you, I got used to upload the audio, like it was zero zero one episode one, I've renamed it to zero zero zero. I'm calling that episode. Oh. The, I'm calling that like a pro. Oh, okay. Or a, okay. Okay. okay yeah. So I'll change yeah. it on my end. So I don't yeah. get confused. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's also That's, true. Yeah. No, good, I, good job. Good I'm, job. I'm, I'm doing that. So not the official first, the first official episode will be, uh, I'm trying to work out. This is this this is last week's episode. Not, it'll be two weeks from now. Whatever. Anyway, it's a fortnightly show, um, in which we will be recording ourselves, uh, just having to chat about whatever we want for roughly half an hour prior to RK Couch. Uh, more or less, the quick pitch of the show. Um, go listen to that or watch that episode. I don't know if the uh, Apple Podcast thing will be fixed by the time this is up. Probably not, to be honest. So go watch it. It'll be on YouTube. I'm yeah. going to publish it after this. Because I'm late, I got stuff to do. Here's the thing: if you got some random questions you want us to answer, you know, send them. Yeah, we'll tweet at us and we'll answer there. If you got like literally anything random in the world or you want to hear us talk about, that's like it could be or could not be video game related, could be fucking food related, could be anything. um, That would be the show for it. Um, But that's it. Between the cushions, um, my pitch is: it's the show that everyone else makes you subscribe to their Patreon for, and we're giving it to you for free. So you should go give us money on (laughs) Kofi. Explosion now <laughs> support. <laughs> so you should you should pay for it because we're not going to make you. Pay for I'm it. not guilt tripping anyone. Uh, I mean, what? No. <laughs> you know, with Kieran's intro this week, I thought he was going. Do you reckon we could get away with doing like a Mad Libs episode of Arca Couch and like just record random, <laughs> random so. just fill in the subjects each, and then just have it there in the background in case we have Jerry, a, need a bonus episode. Yeah, it would be funny, but I don't that'd think we could. <laughs> <laughs> um today on the show this show arcade couch um we got pokemon we'll get into that in a second pokemon direct uh pokemon presents whatever they called it uh that's why the show was delayed of course so this is by the time you listen to this is tuesday what a gamble yeah what a game i gambled it what all a on big that. gamble yeah we'll see how it goes um kieran's been playing elden ring so we'll talk a bit about that later and i've got a bunch of steam next fest uh previews to talk about amongst you know a bunch of news and stuff like that i'm gonna spend at least five minutes shitting on a game that i reviewed this past week uh that will also be a thing but let's get into <laughs> it delayed the show for it so let's put it right front and center pokemon presents uh the main thing that anyone cares about is the Gen 9 reveal that came at the end, but I will quickly run for everything else, although I don't think any of it's really noteworthy. Pokemon Go's got Lowland Pokemon showing up in the game right now. Um, opened the game a second ago and called a Lowland Executor. Um, they've been in the game before. It's not that exciting. Pokemon Masters X, the mobile game. Apparently it's massive. You get a bunch of free shit if you sign up now. 142 trainers in the game. Good for them. Pokemon Cafe Mix. I know there's Damn. a lot of trainers. 
uh, Pokemon Cafe Mix, adding a delivery mode with Pelipper, um, adding a bunch of events, including Bulbasaur's Happy Pokemon Day, uh, Shiny Piplup increasing. Apparently there's Shinies in Pokemon Cafe now, which I'm like, sure. Why? It's what? the most boring <laughs> puzzle game ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is the one no one liked and then they re-released it as remix I have no idea if people are actually playing this or they're still trying to make people play this I fucking don't know anyway. people just play it because it's Pokemon right apparently yeah uh, Pokemon Unite's getting a new uh, full furry battles mode or some shit um, they're adding Hooper to the game uh, you can play Hooper for free until March 14th uh, if you beat all of Hooper challenges you get the Unite license so you'll have the Pokemon unlocked forever um, Durilagodon Julagadon as the next Pokemon joining the game. Bunch of other things. Uh, there's just a bunch of Pokemon uh, birthday events running in a lot of games. Pokemon Brilliant Diamond Shell. Dylan, I had to confirm those are actually Pokemon because those could have easily just been words you made up. Hoopadoopadoopadoopadoopadoopadoopadoopadoopadoopadoopadoopadoopadoopadoopadoopadoopadoopadoopadoopadoopadoopadoopadoopadoopadoopadoopadoopadoopadoopadoopadoopadoop
Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violent, uh, Violet, or Violent, uh, <laughs> let's get Violent in here, are the Gen 9 games. They are somehow, some fucking miracle way, releasing these later on in 2022. I have no idea how. Uh, that is the, <laughs> the most great, like Arceus came out literally less than a month ago. And they're putting out the ninth gen games at the end of the year. It's like they feel like the end of the apocalypse is happening or something. I really don't understand how they're doing it. I mean, not only that, Sword and Shield came out 2019. Yeah, and they came out a couple years ago. I don't know what's happening over there, to be honest. Like, they're just going a bit too hard. I think, from what I heard, Arceus was uh, outsourced a fair bit. So, you know, that, that helps a little bit, but still, like. And obviously the like brilliant uh, like the the remastered. They weren't done by Game have, Freak. They were done by someone. They else. weren't. Yeah, of course they were done outside. So it's a lot of Pokemon in a year, though. Like holy fuck! Like um, it is Game Freak in terms. Game Freak only 167 employees apparently. Apparently, according to Wikipedia, yeah. that's fucking insane. I will say my my main point for this one, and we'll get into the the, the Pokemon. Are they running out of ideas for Pokemon at this point? Like they're fucking gotta be right. No, I, they're I, back to ideas. You missed where they the the generation was literally a fork and a trash bag. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, because I literally I watched uh, I watched a video um, of the YouTuber Ludwig do like an hour and a half video of him. <laughs> By the way, I can't just actual... say the YouTuber Ludwig. I, I was like, he's a YouTuber I, now. I was he about to correct you and go, "You mean the Twitch streamer?" Then I was like, "Oh, he sold out." Never mind. No. He, he, <laughs> <laughs> not, so He's not quite. He exclusive no, yeah, we're, yeah. we're not getting into that one. But um, he did like an hour and a half video of Smash or Pass on every single Pokemon in that like of all the generations. And it got to a point later where I was like, "What the fuck are these Pokemon? These are I'm really out of the loop um, when it comes to Pokemon designs." And even the three starters they announced, I was like, "I swear I've seen all three of these in different color palettes or in less quirky designs." At this point. So it's funny you say Smash or Pass. Because I want to play a little game that I'm making up called Battle Try uh Battle Uh Capture or Let Go. Yeah? Oh that's 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 all yeah, no, that's easy. Yeah? Alright, so the Pokemon yeah, are for people playing at home, because hold on, I have to read off list because I'm obviously I haven't read most of yeah, have, you, have you found any pronunciations for this? Nope. So I'm going to give it a go. <laughs> yeah. Sprigatio, Sprigatio, which is the cat grass Pokemon. Fucoco, the laid back fire croc Pokemon, and then Quaxly. The earnest and tidy duckling Pokemon is how I'm... How, how, how do we... What do you reckon, Ash? Yeah, I know in those pronunciations. Yeah, I think uh, above, pretty solid. Above or under I think 90%. First, I think Quaxley is right. Yeah. The other two may uh, be I a think little bit off. Sprigger, I think it's Sprigatito. Sprigatito? Right. I, I don't feel like tell. I feel like... If I, I, feel like I feel like I'm a little bit off, but not, not enough off that I feel terrible about it. And then Fucoco? Fucoco? Is that what you said? Yeah, Fucoco. No? Yeah. All right, sorry. Start with you, Ash. Uh, so Sprig- Sprig- I, let's do one by one. Sprigatio, Sprigatio. 
How are we saying it? What did we decide? Wait, so which one's... Uh, Sprigatito. Sprigatito okay, so is, is the cat Pokemon. Capture is the one you want to keep forever, right? Is your, is your picky. Is your starter. So so think about it this way, right? Hmm. Which is the one you're taking? Which is the one you want to go to your rival? Which is the one that gets left with the professor? Oh. Okay. So I, w- I want... Capture, battle, leave it. Or let it go. I guess whatever. I want to capture Fukuku. You go go. I want to battle Sprigatio because you know, fire beats grass, and then Quaxley. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> all right, Kieran. Look, all right. Fukuoka can fucking get left behind. That shit can get put in the what? bin. It's like a that's like a red quirkier version of Totodile right there. <laughs> Chomp Bros, <laughs> Chomp Bros, man. <laughs> like, just fucking get out of here. He's going to evolve but, into such an awesome firefighting crocodile. I don't know. How it's fi- Also, how the fuck is a fire um, Pokemon laid back? That makes zero sense. Um, now, this is the harder decision, right? Because I think both of them are... Both of them are good choices, but... I will go to my roots, and I'm going to pick Quaxley as my Pokemon I keep, um, and Sprigatito is going to be the battler, because, you know, water Pokemon boy for life, except for Cyndaquil, who changed my heart, but I don't think I've ever picked a grass-type starter before. I feel like we've all got completely different answers, which is quite funny. <laughs> so, well, slightly different. So, slightly different. So, I am capturing Quaxley. Because that Pokemon looks so weird. I'm all about it. <laughs> like, it looks so good. It looks like it's got a little Mario hat. Yeah, it's just so I think it's the most unique looking one. What's that. the What's the hat that Samuel Jackson wears? Uh I don't know. Like what yeah, I know what you mean. Like the little French beret thing. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Cause I thought I I think this Pokemon's hair looks like a toupee sort of. I did someone say Oh, someone, very much so. Uh say it looks like uh, Donald Trump. I mean, and then yeah. someone did like a pull, uh, <laughs> did a color swap, and it's pretty obvious. See, I reckon when it evolves, it gets long, luscious hair. A Kangle. <laughs> a Tango. What? Kangle. K N G O L. Yeah. That's the be. hat. Yeah. So, capture Quaxley. Then I'm going to battle Fukoko. <laughs> Fukoko, whatever. And I'm, um, leaving behind or letting go. Sprigatio, Sprigatio. Not to say I don't like, I think they're all hashtag cuties, but I feel like Sprigatio is like the least unique of the three, in my opinion. It's literally a green cat. It's just, yeah, it's it's a green cat. Like, it's cute. It's a cute green cat. (laughs) You know, know, the pose that they've gone with, it's trying too hard to be cute. Yeah. I will. The big thing is, and I, I saw this a lot on my Twitter, and I asked Cherie this, and this wasn't Cherie's problem because she tweeted out about. So her favorite up, is uh, the cute, boring green cat. <laughs> Don't you <laughs> fucking take a shot, holy shit. Um, her problem isn't this, but a lot of people are tweeting out how um, Game Freak better not make any of its evolution stand on two feet. Yeah, and but you know they stay will. on all fours. No, they will. Well, actually, I feel like if any, it's just two, how two evolution will. works. Two of them will. Surely the crocodile has to stay a crocodile, right? No, I, I think he turns into like I think he turns into like uh, a 
on two feet, but like the crocodile form more looks like more like a set of armor, mm. and he's like a fire knight. Boy. No, he becomes like a kangaroo crocodile hybrid. Like you know, you've been playing too much Horizon. <laughs> you've been playing way too much Horizon. Speaking, <laughs> uh, speaking of the kangaroo, did you see? Uh, we spoke about it a very long time ago. The Pokemon. The Australian Pokemon yeah, Vin, Vin, uh, designer. Vinkian, also, that Art, crocodile whatever. looks like it's on two legs. So I mean, it, it clearly is, has two hands. Little hands. It's got little it's hands. Got two little, two little two hands, hands that will be fit perfect in some boxing gloves so it can fight. Oh my god! Oh yeah. my god! Because we all know the um, fire ones become fighting Pokemon, right? I I fucking hell! Damn it! Um. I did see, yeah, that the the des- or the designer around yeah, the, the Australian the Pokemon, art person, yeah, now Pokemon, the, it's the art person or like I don't actually know what their job is. I'm sorry, but like they're working on a, a Lurie for um, that game, the little red panda yes. thing. Yeah. yeah, but they came up with all oh. the Pokemon uh, were finished for. Oh, I, I didn't say this. Let's have a quick squiz. Came out this, today. Actually. Yeah, I just saw that nine hours ago. I posted today. Let's have a let's have a quick squidaddle, eh? Let's uh full screen this with a video <laughs> version. Straya regional Pokedex. So yes, how many? That's they got a few pages here now. So we saw up to like Charlie over here, Scampic, Ricket. Right, spot on. Side note: that's one of our most viewed episodes of Arcade Cash. Is it really? Yeah, so if we go through that, yeah, <laughs> like Maybe. at least on YouTube and stuff, yeah. Maybe we should go through these in a future episode. <laughs> but let's do it. Let's do it. I think that's a let's good idea. Let's save that to a future episode and just let's let's rate every single one of them. Yeah. Yeah, we will. Yeah. Not 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 to shit on because they're all fantastic designs. Not, but you know, we we'll just we we'll just as the kids in podcasting say, we'll put that in our back pocket for a slow we'll news do, week. Yeah, we'll we'll rate them all and then we'll like pick our six. Ooh, or, or do you want to do? Or do you want to do a combined like uh, you know one of those S to A tier? You know what I mean? A tier list. And you want to do a tier mm. list? Like we have to debate and uh, pick the tier list. Yeah, if you want it. Yeah, because then we'll have something by the end that we could like sort of save and be like, Put this out is there. the thing. All right, I'm gonna do that. So keep your eyes and ears open for everyone. We just decided, uh, like everything these days, apparently we just side on it as we're recording. We podcasts. decide to do content <laughs> on the podcast. On the podcast, yeah. <laughs> Um, that will be fun though, because that was fun last time. And there are cool, there's some cool designs in there. I do like that. Um, look forward to that in a slow news week. Could be right around the corner with all the big games having just released. Probably wouldn't surprise me. Um, mm. Yeah, but I mean, overall thoughts uh, on Ash. Overall thoughts on Gen Nine releasing this year and uh, crazy trailer and <laughs> crazy. Uh, maybe not crazy. It looks like it looks kind of like Arceus. It, well, it kind of looks like the mixture between Sword and Shield and Arceus. Hmm. With a lot of the Pokemon standing around, uh, but there was also a lot of hills and stuff. But then also, like, cities and buildings. So um, whether they've kind of built on top of Arceus to a certain degree or uh, or to merge the... I don't know how game development it would works. Be, so it would be a new region. Like. Yeah, it looks like a, a new region, but, you know... A lot of element. They pull. It looks like they're pulling a lot of elements from the other games to like. I don't know. <laughs> it's. I'm just trying to figure out how they've made this game so quickly. I have no idea. I think it's a fairly the same engine as Sword and Shield. Like I, I honestly think this game will be more akin to Sword and Shield than it will be to Arceus. This because it, with- it doesn't look like it's just got one giant wild zone though. No, it does look like it's changed up. 
Um, I'm just the thing that is worried, not worrying, but I think one of the common criticisms of Pokemon games as of late has been that there's not much variety to them. They're kind of all the same. Um, Sword and Shield was very bland. Well, the reason everyone likes Arceus so much is because it's uh, different. It's because it's so different. It's so different. I just don't see a, a Japanese company wanting to double down on Arceus before it released. Hmm. I would think this is a more safer approach that is more that probably has taken some variety out of Arceus, but not everything. I think That's it's true. going to be closer to Sword and Shield than Arceus with just because of the development timelines. I think if this comes out like late 2023, we would see a game that is more akin to Arceus that has more of that kind of ley line gameplay through it that takes on some of the feedback of um, the the players into account and to change it up a little bit. I don't yeah. think they've had the time to do that. So I think this is just, I, I just, I hope they have at least taken on board the criticism of changing up the story a little bit and changing up how the game um, in terms of narratively plays. But at the same time, part of me is like, kind of doubt it. No. Nah. There's literally a part Gotta of the get those gym badges, some, baby. Yeah, there's literally a part in this trailer where you see someone's house and you're leaving the bedroom and, <laughs> you know, all that sort of yeah. stuff. So Actually, you know, also... I'm a little disappointed that you look like you're instead of playing a main character, you're playing one of like the schoolboys or schoolgirls you used to run into from the older Pokemon games. Maybe that's what it's about. Like, I don't know. Looks like little dorks. Yeah. Maybe that's what it's about. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't. I don't. Know, I don't really have much to say. I feel like it, it's a teaser trailer. It shows you yep. a bunch of random landscapes. It shows you a bunch of Pokemon that are current and three starters. So, we'll are we going to play as a security guard and then get transported to the world of Pokemon? No. Maybe that would be funny. Whereas, I don't know why that, that was. A, it was very drawn out. <laughs> I thought it was. I legit thought it was Detective Pikachu, hundred percent. Especially as he's walking towards the office and you hear like you see a Pokemon like scatter off that looks like a small Pikachu sort of Pokemon. I was like, oh, it's Detective Pikachu too. They're finally doing that game. No, that game's never coming out. Pokemon Sleep is never coming out. So, but the thing is, so when I delayed this and it was like, no, nah, we'll delay it for the Pokemon thing. I wasn't expecting Gen 9 because I was like, no, that's way Because that doesn't seem possible. That doesn't, that seem, doesn't possible. seem possible. That seems no. fucking ridiculous. What I was yeah. expecting was a Detective Pikachu 2, a Let's Go Silver, a, you know, something on that To scale. be fair, there has been only three years between a lot of these titles. So Sword and Shield came out 2019. Pokemon Sun and Moon came out 2016. Uh... Pokemon X and Y came out 2013. Pokemon Black and White came out 2010. I think it's because they they did Arceus literally just a second ago. Yeah, I think Arceus has thrown it, yeah. it off in people's perceptions. Like, just but that f- obviously that was like um, like we said, heavily outsourced. Yeah. But I saw I saw some tweets today and I, and I thought this was a bit confusing and just to get both of your opinion on this. Do you think, do both of you think that Pokemon that project uh, that I was going to say Project Arceus, but just Arceus, is classed as a mainline Pokemon game. No, it's not. No, it's a spinoff. It's a spinoff. It's a spinoff because a lot of people, like I saw it, and I saw a news article or two about it, but they're like, Arceus, the shortest running mainline Pokemon game in the history of the franchise. I was like, I'm pretty sure the rule is what? Uh, no. the mainline games are the generational games and anything yeah. else yeah. is a spinoff. It's like Xenoblade, but then Xenoblade Chronicles, right? Or are they the same thing? I'm know. pretty sure it's the same game. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... Try again. 
Uncharted and Uncharted Golden Abyss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Uncharted and Lost Legacy. Yep. Yeah. I was going to say, nobody remembers Golden Abyss. <laughs> no. But I mean, the the, the, they've always Golden. done Pokemon spin-off games, even like back on the Game yeah. Boy days. You get your mystery dungeons or your um, trade card game back on the original Game Boy or whatever. You know, like there's always like supplementary Pokemon material. And then between the generations, they would do the... Uh, what yellow? Uh, what the f- <laughs> uh, what the fuck was the Requaza one called? Emerald, whatever. You know, all these like the third one, the third one for the two, which is funny because they haven't done that for Sword and Shield. I don't know if they stopped doing that, or maybe I've just missed the. I just think maybe Sword and Sh- I don't think a third one would have sold well for Sword. And- you know what? It's Pokemon. It would have sold would've well, sold but well. I don't think. I don't think it would have been yeah. acclaimed or. Uh, I mean, people don't do it these like days that. because I guess DLC and all that sort of stuff. So people yeah, are like, yeah. "Why would I buy that?" They'd already, they'd already weirdly cut off half the fan base by like you know everybody just bought Sword because the Shield Pokemon looked fucking stupid. Um, so it was yeah, a carry a sword and it's mouth. It doesn't even make sense. Ooh, uh, ooh. I got a better analogy. Okay, go. Yep. You mean oh, you, you, just, you just spent the last two minutes <laughs> like, for a battle and So it's <laughs> the main line is Shin Megami Tensai yep. and Arceus is Persona. Yeah. Potentially. Yes, but also that franchise done a loop now where Persona is the most popular one and the, the spin off become the. Is that, is that going to be what it is? <laughs> and most people, if you were to ask most majority people, are Persona and Shin Megami the same game? The same franchise or the same world? Most people would say no. Did you know that Neo is a spin-off? It's like, you know, the game's Neo. So Neo and Neo mm-hmm. 2.377, Neo, Neo, whatever. Oh, Neo. Neo. Do you mean Neo? What did I say? Neo. 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 Oh, sorry. I got, I got Matrix. I thought I you got, meant like the, I always the have songs piano like... Rib. I always have piano ribs on my mind. Um, no, um, yeah, near a spin-off games. Like, I, I think they're Drakengard or something like that. Um, I think like so, something yeah. really random. Hold on, let me look. Near spin-off. See, all we're saying is Japanese developers have weird spin-off ideas. Yeah. Yeah, and, but it's funny because they're, they're, you could always make a list of, like, um, game franchises... Uh, game franchises that Drakengard, that's what it's a spin-off of. Um, the game franchises that got so good, like being spin-offs, that they surpassed their original ones. So it's like Drakengard had three games. Drakengard 1, 2, 3, the last one released in 2014. And then Nier, a spin-off of the main series, was released, uh, when was that released? 2010 and... 2020, so there's actually another Dragon Guard after it. But then no, everyone thinks about now after Nier Automata, Automata or whatever it's called, which was like Wily, you know. Automata. Automata, like Wily loved and everything else. No one gives a fuck about Dragon Guard anymore. <laughs> it's like the spinoff has surpassed it. No one cares. No one's asking for Dragon Guard. Like it was more Nier. So, um, yeah, that's it. You could, you could make it's a like, list. It's like, it's like uh, Dynasty Warriors, you know. Everybody loves the Zelda and the uh, Fire Emblem spinoffs. I mean, Wait, still Fire like- Emblem is a spinoff of Dynasty Warriors, really? No, Fire no. Emblem, the Fire Emblem versions of. I think he's trying to say oh. that people like those more than the Dynasty right, the original. Yeah. Like, yeah, right. I feel like that's a weaker one. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like 
I feel like we should move on before Ashley embarrasses us. Listen, it's itself. like the Pokemon's the main like FIFA games, and then the special is the the World Cup editions or the Euro. Look, editions. you know what? You know what? I was waiting for you to say it's like the spinoff is FIFA Street, and I would have been down with that. I would have been like. Yeah, that's well, true. That's a, that yeah, one. that would have actually been a better analogy. Yeah, yeah Fever Street would have been actually. You, look, I tried to help you there, mate, but you just bloody well embarrassed yourself right here <laughs> on fucking live podcast. Live podcast. I'm going to edit it out. Make sure this is out. Yeah, and still not going to edit this out. What? Right, let's talk about some video game reviews and previews. Ooh. Um. Let me get this out of my system. So, Martha of Dead is a game I reviewed this past week. Um, it is and has the sweet, sweet honor of being ExplosionNetwork.com's lowest rated video game of all Ooh. time. Uh, with a Damn. Two, two out of ten. It's bad. No, that means, no, no, sorry, two out of ten. That means it's like okay-ish. Like No. Mm. It is a stinking pile of shit. <laughs> and um, I I usually try to be very nice or I try to be, you know, like try not to shit on games too much even if I think they're bad. But yeah, this is a bad game and I don't suggest anyone play it. The I don't even know where to start, to be honest. It, well, let me put it this way. The story is crap and it runs like ass. Like, I feel like this is one of the worst experiences I've had playing a game in years to be honest, years and years and years and years. Um, what did you play it on? I played it on PS5, and I had to keep putting my PS5 into standby mode because for, like, last weekend or whenever I was doing my last couple of sessions of playing it, I was playing, like, an hour or so after work every every night. But it got to a stage where I was getting a consistent message, like, every five minutes I played it, my save file was corrupted. So I was afraid that if I quit the game, um, I would lose all my progress. So I just kept the game open and in the standby mode. Um, because I was just so scared. So I'm literally moving around the level, and then every time it would get to a checkpoint, which triggered an autosave, I'd get like six messages in a row saying my save files corrupted, corrupted, and I just had to click okay, 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 okay every single time. Um, add that on to prior to that, I was getting a bunch of crashes, freezes. I had to restart the game, glitches, falling through the world, uh, characters not interacting right, objects getting stuck. At one stage, I picked up a phone, it just floating in the air. Like it is fucking nonsense how much i i cannot remember having this much trouble with a game on uh ps4 at all um let alone like obviously a ps5 game but that's more recent but i swear i haven't had shit like this happen since maybe on ps3 or something maybe was last time i had a game that felt like this janky on console but I mean, the story is this, and this one was in the news because the PS5 version or the PlayStation version was censored. Um, you're not loose missing out on anything because the game is bad anyway, so you're not getting shit censored. But it was an interesting one where it's not actually censored. You just can't play the graphic two uh, highly graphic scenes in the game. You can't play them, and by play them, I mean hold two buttons and like it's like a slow QTE. You can't fail more or less. Uh, the story is about, in case anyone wants to know, story is, uh, it's set in, uh, fucking, I can't even remember where it's set now. Sicily? Somewhere? Fuck, I don't remember. Anyway, yeah, it's, it's Italian, so let's, let's go with that. Uh, this girl, at the start of the game, her twin sister, she finds her dead in the water, 
and then she's crying and then the parents run down and then because she's like so overcome with like grief uh she doesn't say anything so then the parents assume that uh she had actually died because her, uh, her sister was de- uh deaf um so because and, and a mute so because she wasn't talking they then assume that the she's that sister so you then start pretending to be your other sister so you're walking around the house and like not talking to your parents and not saying any, anything and just doing this because reasons and amongst all that you've got world war ii happening in the background and there's like a ghost story happening which is kind of the most interesting part of the game is this white lady i think is what they call like this ghost lady in the background anyway it's a bunch of ideas all mixed into a pot with no idea what they're doing with them and then by the end of the game uh it has so many gameplay elements that are just so boring like the game is so fucking boring to play i cannot even begin there there's like I played it in Italian because that's how they suggested. They're like, oh, there's a first, there was a big part of the marketing, but being like, we're like forefronting playing this game in its um, intended language and all this sort of shit. And I'm like, cool, fine, I'll do it that way. You could switch to English. I switched it over like once quickly and then switch back or whatever just to see. It didn't really help because my main issue was that so many times in the game, it cuts this black screen and you just hear the character like monologuing as the text is slowly coming across the screen. And I'm like, no matter if I'm listening to this in English or Italian, it's still just so boring and unskippable. And I have to sit there as this character speaks so slowly, explaining everything that you just played, fucking monologuing about gibberish. Um, and you go on and then there's these marionette doll sequences that I hate with every ounce of my body and the bike riding in this is the is literally the worst bike riding in any game i don't know how they fucked it up so hard but they have someone riding a bike and if you look left and right to see where their arms are placed their elbows are pointing to the sky directly somehow i have no idea how they're working they're riding it like fucking like this i don't even know it's fucked anyway martha is dead Two out of ten. Read my review if you want to find out why you shouldn't play it. But um, for clarity's sake, yeah, some people actually like this. Yeah, they're wrong. What the it's, fuck? It's got a seventy-one on uh, Open Critic with a high score of nine point five. What the fuck is that from? Like an Italian fucking? Yes, it actually is from an Italian source. <laughs> we gave uh, it a shit review. Well played, gave it a shit review. Press start gave it a shit review. The Aussies know where it's at. Fuck all these other people. You yep. know what I'm saying? But I will say Dylan's review is the lowest one on uh, Open Critic at the moment. So, you know. Have we got any hate mail yet from all the Martha is uh No. Saying that we had, you know, we'd only given a good low score for the views? Uh no. But I've I've been told that the next game I will not get review code for. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. I assume they can take a I'm sure they can take Christmas. criticism. Their last game was quite mixed as well. I like their last game more than this. I mean, I didn't love it. Uh, their last game was a game called Town of Light, uh, which was yep. a similar sort of... Well, no, it wasn't really. It was more linear, um, exploring like a, a mental hospital or asylum, whatever you want to call it. Um, it was a very stereotypical horror setup. Although it wasn't like your spooky sort of stuff. It was more just psychological driven narrative sort of thing which is like this they they don't make horror games they may look like horror games and like this has two gruesome scenes in it but they're not built around jump scares or there's no jump scares or anything like that that you would expect it is all entirely uh psychological psychological so it's fine like how scary is it if you have to pretend you're deaf all the time yeah 
you can't know. react to things. What if somebody drops something? You have yeah. to pretend. I mean, I'll, 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 I've spoiled it on other things, and I don't think it's a spoiler because it's been like, talked about. It. But the, the first the first thing that was censored or changed that you can't play in the PlayStation version, and I talked about Ash as I was playing the game of this, which is you have to cut she she has a dream that she cuts off her sister's face and wears it which is like it's kind of gross she cuts her sister's face off but i was like you know what like at this stage i'm only an hour or so in and i wasn't hating the game i was like in the context i understand what they're trying to say like she's having a nightmare that she's literally wearing the face of her uh, her sister who she's pretending to be i could understand what that meant and how that would play into they the were... story but yeah the one they, they, they do later just just for shock value, I don't just fucking... Too far. But, look, they were just trying to recreate how everybody feels currently about Telltale Games. Yes. That's the, the true narrative of this game. Two other reviews uh, that have been posted. Well, oh. they will be posted, hopefully, by the time this goes up. I am, I am I was editing them before. But two reviews, Will's done. So, Shadow Warrior 3, which is out, I don't know, this week. When's it out? Does it, I don't actually know, to be honest. I think it's out now. Maybe. I don't know. The review's out. The review bar goes Tuesday anyway. Um, or 1am. So by the time I post this. March 1st. So, yeah. yep. The shipping just comes Shout out. out. Before, after March 1st. Ticks over. Okay. Shadow Warrior 3. It's a game. And you can play it on PlayStation now, apparently, for some reason. Um, we'll give it a... Can you, though? Yes. We'll give it a 9 out of 10, saying... Low Wang's return is a joy to play with all the systems combining seamlessly. Movement, weapons, and well-designed arenas are the center masks, uh, marks for this experience, an experience that would be enjoyed best over a day or a weekend. Um, his only complaint was the game was too short. He said it's six hours, um, it kind of flies by, and there's nothing else to do. So he feels a bit let down that the game has all these really great systems. Uh, read his full review, of course, but he talks about how uh, the gunplay that so that people love for the franchise, like crazy guns and antics and all this sort of stuff, is all here. It's now got wall running in it because every game with wall running automatically gets cooler. It's true to a fact. It is true. Yeah, um, right. And yeah, yeah right. I think his review from what I read it is, he's like, it's great. Um, really enjoyed it. And, you know, I feel like this franchise is one that I, I've never played it, but I know that people who really like it, really like it. And, um, it just really hasn't picked up ever, like, I guess a mainstream thing, but I think it is because the story and the comedic stuff is a little bit over the top or whatever, not to people's taste, but, um, for the people who do like it, I think from what I understand, the gameplay and the gunplay is always sort of being the, um, great. So that's good that that's, uh, nine out of 10, uh, read his full review of course. Uh, and then he's also got one up for Expeditions Rome. I'm pretty sure he's been playing this for like over a month at this stage, which is fine because it's a fucking massive game. Um, and we only got sent review code on launch day. And I think when I sent it to him and I knew he wanted it, he's like, should I rush this? I'm like, no, <laughs> like, we just got the code <laughs> on launch day. Take all the fucking time you want. Um, but yeah, so he gave that one an eight out of 10. Overall, an enjoyable RPG with little bloat, allowing you to progress at your own pace as you quell rebellions across the Roman Empire. Um, so, Expeditions Rome is a, um, what do you call it? Is it a turn-based? I should remember. What's the difference? Turn-based RPG? No, uh, like a CRPG? Is that what they're called? What's the, what's the genre? Fuck. No, it's a tactical. Tactical RPG? Yeah, it's yep. tactical RPG. There you go. Yeah, so this is the short shit that you'd play, isn't it, Ash? No? Yeah, potentially. Yeah, this seems like... Uh, I assumed this was like a RTS. No. no. I can't remember the genre, but no, it's not. So, um, yeah, tactical RPG set during the Roman, um, as you conquer Rome and travel across seas and 
to different lands and places and uh currently it's quite a big game it's got a story and choices and characters mm. and deep combat and all that sort of stuff it looks massive i feel like for fans of the genre this uh from all i've seen everyone's been pretty positive about this one especially if you're into i guess roman history roman yeah i guess roman history That's it's especially like word. roman yeah, yeah, just checking yeah like roman history memes and stuff that use wrestling anecdotes yeah, yeah it's um yeah it's all about it. So check out all three of those reviews. My Mothra is Dead review, the Shadow of War 3 review, Expeditions <laughs> Rome review, all the links for those, or explosionnetwork.com. Uh, now I've got a bunch of previews run through. So one, two, three, four, f- so five are from Steam Next Fest, and then Whoa, one. Dylan. Dude. Going crazy. Whoa. Lucky it's, fucking hell. Lucky it's a lull during the video game industry. Yeah, huh? Dylan's going crazy. Um, I think these Steam Next Next Fest. I like when they do these things. I think they're fun. Like the the compared to years ago before the, before they start doing these, and you you wouldn't get a chance to check out these games and stuff like that. So like just to, I miss the game demos. I, I appreciate you know a good a good a good demo. So I'm just going to run through these. I'll try not to spend too much time on some. Uh, Russ will be here all fucking day. But the first one, Ko the Kangaroo. So this is a, a franchise that's being reborn. It was originally on I think the Game Boy or. Advanced, maybe I don't fucking remember. Um, something like that. Anyway, I never had it. I had a friend that had it, played it on his. Didn't really. So I'd like no nostalgia, like huge nostalgia, other than knowing this. But I really love this demo. It's like twenty minutes, um, one level, but it is a classic three D platformer. Um, to the the good and bad of that. So it's just a bunch of things to collect. You're playing as a kangaroo. He's got like magical boxing gloves. Um, the combat's not hard. Um, you know, there's, there's bonus levels, bunch of, you know, gems to collect, or, you know, platforming, whatever. It's honestly nothing crazy. There's nothing that if, if you're like, I hate those sorts of games there. I'm, I'm glad they stopped existing. Cool. I'm down. I'm very much keen to play more of this because it's just colorful cartoon characters Seems chill. Great time. Yes, please. Um, I would like to play more. Uh, next one. This was probably my... F- oh, yeah. This is definitely my favorite um, Steam Next Fest or demo I played all the time. So this is called Card Shark. Um, and I admit at the start of my preview that when the the original press release shot out for this at the end of last year... I read the word card shark being published by Devolver Digital. I read the opening of the press release where it said a card card something something game. And I went, I don't fucking care. Because <laughs> at this stage, I was like, I'm so sick of card based games. You know, like I just feel like we have so many of them at Fuck the moment. Fuck you, Mark Bithel, with <laughs> <Yeah>. conspiracy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like, I mean, there's just been so many. And not to say like there can't be good ones, but I was just sort of like, especially. I don't know, it's just exhausted of them at this point. But I was completely wrong. This game is something completely different. And I are this, there sharks involved? No. Uh, this demo was ninety minutes, and I played it all the way to the finish. And I kind of just wished I could have kept playing. I was having such a good fucking time. So the setup to this one is your at the start of game. It's got a fantastic art style. This like water uh, palette uh, sort of art style. Um, start of the game, you're playing as like a, a bar. Like you're pouring drinks for people, and you meet this dude, and he's like, "Hey, do you want like to help me out with this?" this job and by the job he's he's literally trying to rip people off playing cards so he quickly teaches you a simple card trick um to help him win which is he's like when you, i'm gonna play this other day for cards and then you're gonna lean over and pour his drink and then when you're leaning over pouring wine for him 
um, you know, set during the 18th century or whatever. You know, when you're pouring the wine for him, you're going to uh, peek at his cards and then you need to rub like the bench down, like wipe away the wine or whatever in a certain direction. And that'll tell me if it's a heart, like his high card, his high hand is a hearts or clubs or, or, or what have you. So you got to do that. So the gameplay in this sequence is uh, you like press the left trigger in to lean forward. If you want to do, you want to pour the wine too fast or else you don't get time to peek. But if you're pouring too slow, they won't lift the hand. So you got to, you got to, got to get in there, get a nice peek. And then um, you got to remember to do the, the right hand movement. So that's how the game starts. You do that one job and then this dude's like, cool. Do you want to come to meet the rest of my my troop or whatever. Um, he's working under like a, there's a magician and another dude who, tr- uh, tr- treats you, uh, teaches you a couple, uh, tricks like how to, uh, fuck up. You know, the game we put stuff under like cups and you move them around, like how to cheat at that and make sure they'll never actually get it correct. And you'll always win money. Um, so the, the game is a bunch of mini games more or less, but inside a narrative adventure, so um, that's what you're sort of doing. And then after that, you get taught a couple more tricks and then you have like three or four, I can't remember, locations to go to. And they're all like, oh, this person, we're going to go rip off like Lord so-and-so. This place, we're going to go see Empress so-and-so and she's got lots of money and we're going to do this trick on her. And every time it's like a different minigame, um, one of them lets you pick which minigame you want to do for the night. So that's more of like, hey, which one do you feel more comfortable? Because this one's high stakes. Um, and when you start the game, there's like a permadeath mode, which I assume is if you lose all your money, you're fucked. I just chose normal. I didn't lose all my money, but you can fail. Like if you fail the tricks or you do the mini games too slow, people will realize that you're like trying to fuck with them and I'll call you out on your bullshit and you have to sort of run away. So it just does get quite intense and hard in some of the, the, la- the latter ones. Cause you're all, by the time you're, I'm finishing the demo, um, the characters are playing like, uh, two, three, four different types of um, tricks at once. Like the dude will be playing a card game and you will be trying to win while also you're doing this secret game, which is in the middle of the game, you're switching the deck with an, uh, another deck into his hand. So then at the end, he can say, hey, here's a random deck I've got in my hand. If you can guess the top card, I'll you'll get your money back. If not, I'll double it. However, like you've played a trick, so he'll always fuck it up. Um this sort of thing. So uh, it's an entire game on magic tricks and yeah, like a card games used or tricking people on card games. Um, but I, I was loving it. I was like, this is such a unique um, idea and it it's not super easy, um, but it's just, and the narrative, there's actually a story happening in the background where the main character you're wor- working for is actually trying to track information down to like a long lost friend or something happened. So like, there's a reason to play. I was invested in the characters to a bit, but yeah, this jumped very quickly to my like sort of most anticipated games this year. I was loving it. This is, we're finally getting a sequel to Now You See Me. Yeah. I mean, to a degree, it's like the prequel. Well, the prequel, yeah, we got a prequel to Now You See Me. Like, I thought, I've been waiting for so long for them to do something with that movie. Like, it's, I'm glad to see it's, you know, moved into a video game. Um, does anyone, does this interest anyone? Or am I just like, because I'm... does, actually. I, I, like, I, I don't know. Am I just off my face? I mean, you spoke know, about no, it so no, passionately no. that I <laughs> have an interest. But yeah, other than that, you know. Although it's it's just one of those things I'm like, I can't be like, hey, if you're fans of X game, you'll like this because I don't know what the... Yeah. I don't know what the target audience is, but I think it's coming to most things, and I could definitely see this. Uh, if it's on Switch, there'll be like a great sort of Switch game or whatever. But obviously, I was just playing it on my PC with um, the Xbox controller. I wouldn't play it with hands and mouse. I feel like having the um, 
the the dual analogs sort of helps for a lot of the mini games and stuff like that. Did you just say I wouldn't play with hands and mouse? <laughs> yeah, hands and mouse. You know, keyboard <laughs> and mouse with the hands. <laughs> are you are you not playing with hands and controller? Nah, thumbs. <laughs> um, that's what. So that's what I'm going to talk about the most because that was my that was my favorite. That's my suggested. Add that to your Steam list, also, everyone. Also, mm. seeing as uh, Kieran brought up, now you see me. I'm going to mention in and of itself on Disney Plus the character and the the host in that does like a bunch of card tricks and that you should watch that so ash's favorite <laughs> thing is watch this year so yeah jesus ash your your analogies and like links are off the mark he is an actual so, card let's hustler let's hope you well, let's hope it's you, worth checking out hope you pick it up during the second half of the game <laughs> um then i played this other game this other demo called tiny kin tiny yeah, Tiny King. Um, this is like a, a weird story where this character like travels through a time machine or something, and then they get stuck. Crazy. They they turn back up on Earth, but now they're really small, and there's no one on Earth. There's like a bunch of like insect creatures and stuff like that. So they got to figure out how to get home and save the day or whatever. Uh, this is a very chill, fun game to play. So I play. It has like access to one level. Uh, you run around. So the fr- the art style I really appreciate because it's a three D world. So you're like running around in someone's room or lounge room or sort of thing. But uh, the character that you play as and all the tiny kins, which I'll get to in a second, they're all 2D. So it's like 2D objects running around in the 3D space. And I think it makes for like a unique art uh, art style for the game. Uh, so the, the main thing for this is it's just puzzles and exploration. There's no combat. There's nothing, or at least in the first level, there's not, nothing that could hurt you or kill you or anything like that. You can't fall from a high space and even die. I, I don't know if there's checkpoints. Fuck if I know. But it's all just puzzles and exploration and just collect-a-thon. You know, there's like 900, 1,000 things to collect in, in this one level. It's that whole just endorphin of of finding them all and figuring out how to unlock doors with taking collecting things and putting them there. Um, the puzzles are solved with the Tinykin. So these are things that you... They're like seeds around in the level that you pop and then they start following around. So like Pikmin, so I guess. A, yeah, Pikmin or like World of Goo or something. Like yeah, that. it's Pikmin or World of Goo, but like in a 3D environment uh, inside like a platforming game is more or less what this one is uh the one thing i really like and i pointed out my preview for this one that i think makes the experience so much easier than some of those games is so in the first level in the demo you have a pink tinykin and you have a red tinykin the pink are tinykins that will move objects so like push chairs out of the way to get things or carry things uh, like that you can use to cross things or whatever and the red ones will explode objects to help the gameplay feel faster and just more fluid and more relaxing, you don't need to manually pick which one you're, you're throwing. You can never throw the wrong one or whatever. It's like if you point at something that needs to explode and you throw, you just press L2 and then throw, it'll throw the right one. You know, it's just like a simple thing that I really appreciate that it sort of made the, the gameplay um, so much smoother over the whole experience. Um, so I like that one as well. And to be honest, I don't feel like I've, there's only one I'll say in a minute that I, I didn't dislike, but it was like everything else I've really liked that play. Um, then I played this game called Blacktail. Um, so this one's really cool. This is a, um, so it's based on Slavic folklore. That's the, the whole sort of game. Um, you're playing as this girl who her sister, um, oh, hold on, her name's Yaga, and her, her sister Zora disappears at the start of the game, this opening cutscene. Um, she has like a voice in her head. I don't know what the fuck it is. Like there's a lot of stuff I was very confused about, but it is a demo, so I don't know what's going on. Um, you have a bow and arrow. Uh, sort of the main weapon and then throughout the demo you unlock a couple different spells and stuff like that but the world is like um you know it's like talking mushrooms and like other sorts of weird creatures and stuff like that it has a i to to be honest looking at screenshots for this like in the steam thing as i was downloading it i was like yeah 
this looks like meh. I kind of went into it not liking it, but when you're playing it, the the bow and arrow combat feels really good, and then the world and the the voice acting in this is surprisingly stellar. Like I feel like that was the number one thing I walked away with was that the 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 writing was super sharp and nothing dragged on too long whenever characters were talking or the cutscenes and stuff like it it felt really choppy and like um the, in the right kind of way and the voice acting was really high caliber for something like this which i personally never heard of this game before um but i really enjoyed playing this one i played the i think yeah the demo took me like an hour to play through um and i didn't jump jump off or anything because i wasn't i wasn't bored or whatever you got this world to explore it's sort of open world i guess but it doesn't look like the game would be huge looking at the world in this at least um you level up you unlock new bow and arrow abilities whatever the number one thing that was sort of annoying me is that you have to uh sort of like horizon but in worse sort of way you have to pick up sticks and shit to craft your arrows and like potions and shit but uh i kind of don't even like doing that in horizon to a degree but i liked it a little bit less in this and playing those games both around the same time i was like man i'm sick of sick of picking up fucking sticks over here so um that looked really cool and then the last steam next fest next fest demo i played was uh expedition zero um so i didn't hate this it's just maybe not a genre that i'm like super like in love with uh this was like a survival game so you're in um fuck i can't remember where it's set like russia or somewhere horrible um no siberia <laughs> there we go. uh so siberia the there's like a big experiment that's happened. Uh, the whole place has been walled off. Your character's in there for some reason. Uh, you have limited resources. You meet this character. He's like, hey, you need to get me this shit and I'll help you cross the wall and get out of this place. You're like, cool story. Um, then you go into this forest and um, you got to like try and make your way around throughout the demo to these points to sort of download information and data on what's happened in this place while, you know, being like oh man there's a church here oh man there's like weird fucked up experiments going on over here um and you have like ash would hate this because you have all the time you're playing it the sound design's really fucked in a good way so it'll be like walking around <laughs> and next second you'll hear just like rustling in the trees and then you have these like little critter monsters just chasing you in the trees the entire time but quite often you'll just hear them jumping between trees above your head but they won't start attacking you so it's that whole thing where you're like just like attack me. Cause honestly, I feel like I would be less stressed right now if you just jumped down and attack me. Cause it's just more stressful hearing them like jumping between trees and just fucking around. So, um, you've got these things chasing you, but then what makes it a survival game is also you've got, um, cause it's in like frozen temperatures. You're, you need to keep your, your suit, uh, like heated or whatever. Like it, it de decreases over time. You can then freeze to death. Um, so you have to figure out how to deal with that um, through upgrades or like fires or this sort of thing. Um, and then you've also got your battery. So your battery, which you use for like a uh, flashlight or else it's pitch fucking black dark and you can't see shit. Or um, also the way to like track where you need to go or your map, all that battery stuff. You need to like find places to recharge that um, as well as picking up materials to craft upgrades uh bullets because you only have a limited supply to fire against the fuckers in the trees or uh even i came across a couple human characters who had been like infested and taken over shot them and they move really slow like resident evil 4 fuckers and you shoot them in the head so but i was all right um this was all right i really liked the mood the setting and all that spending so much time in menus like crafting and fucking around and being like i can only carry 20 things I just want to carry all this shit and I'm sick of having to like figure out what I need and don't need. And that aspect of the so genre. It's very much in yeah. that vein of like escape from Tarkov. And stuff yeah. Like I'm that, like, uh... it's very <laughs> menu management. And, yeah. and that's the block system where you're like, 
I could fit more in if I manually move everything around to make sure it fits in correctly rather than relying on the game to automatically do it and stuff like that. So, I mean, it was all right, but out of everything I played, I was a bit like, yeah, maybe, maybe not. Uh, but I, I didn't hate it. Um, I nearly, I, this is the demo I didn't finish because I didn't realize you had to actually go to beds to quick save and the game doesn't save at all outside that. And I died. And then when I loaded back in, it was like right near the start of the demo. I was like, nah, dude, like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like one place off from no, finishing the demo. So <laughs> like, I'm good. I've seen like 90%. Um, so that was all the Steam Next Fest stuff. So check out all those previews. And then the other preview I did that was unrelated was I um, uh, played the first hour of Submerged Hidden Depths. Uh, well, it was one of those things where they're like embargo preview thing is, you know, I talk about the first hour. I'm like, what if you play the first hour really fast? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what's the, like, what's the rules? Mm. But, um, so this game came out on Stadia. I think it was like a launch Stadia game. Um, but it's from an Australian studio called Upper Cup Games. They're in Canberra. Um, they, they previously made Submerged, which, uh, didn't get great reviews when it released. I remember like it, the game being shut on really, um, this one came out, it got medium, like mediocre reviews, I guess, but also only got like four reviews because it released on Stadia and no one fucking played it. So now it's coming to everything. So um, played that. Um, I'm enjoying it. It is a very relaxing experience. I think it's most akin to playing something like Journey, although I'm not saying it's as good as Journey, like, and I'll just put that out there. Like, it's not as good as Journey, but it is like in that similar sort of thing where you are just... Um, you're playing as this brother, sister, who are like in this, uh, like the world's in... in golfed in water don't know why got to figure out what's going on um it's like sort of open world you've got a boat you literally get a telescope you look around it marks like places of interest you drive the boat to land masses and then you get up there and you more or less do a few bit of platforming maybe some slight very easy puzzle solving collect a bunch of shit stuff happens it's very chill it's very relaxing i just sat back it's 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 just this narrative experience i guess is the thing to to call it but it looks pretty um has a good soundtrack um all that sort of stuff so yeah i'm I'm keen to play more i'll have a full review uh later in march when i think the game comes out mid-march or something like that so i think um i'll have a review i guess sometime before then or on that day or whatever else but yeah um i don't think it's too long either way but they're like like, talk about the first hour i'm like cool the game seems like it's maybe five hours <laughs> i don't you know what i mean so um but all of that uh is been i've done a big old preview week so check out all those things in the show notes or explosionnetwork.com of course but my pick of all of that is card shark keep your eye on card shark when we we're talking about goaties and card sharks in there on the on the list of best indie games your boy dylan called it all the way back here on february 28th when we record this podcast Call of Duty game, it ain't, comp- it ain't, it ain't happening. There's no tw- Call of Duty game in 2020. Wait, what? Damn. What? Shocking. Oh, no. no. What are we going to do? What? Can't be right. What? No. What? What? No. Press Start writes, a new Call of Duty game apparently won't be releasing next year for the first time in 20 years. Um, Bloomberg is reporting Activision has decided to delay Treyarch's 2023 Call of Duty game into 2024, meaning that for the first time in 20 years, an annual Call of Duty game will not release next year. Activision is working on other projects for next year, including a new free-to-play COD title, Warzone 2, as well as major updates to Call of Duty Mobile. 
Royalty United Infinity Ward is developing this year's Call of Duty game, which is a sequel to Modern Warfare 2019. It's no secret that Modern Warfare is probably the most popular COD franchise, and after Vanguard seemingly not doing as well as previous entries, sales-wise, Activision will be banking on this year's gaming's uh, lasting two years with a healthy stream of content. Um, it's, it is a story. It was a big shock. I mean... I can't imagine a world without a Call of Duty releasing, but we're living in one right now. Um, I do wonder, though, Kieran, what are your thoughts on this? And do you think this is, uh, I, I mean, the deal, the thing is, I saw, I saw people being like, it's Xbox. That deal hasn't processed yet. So I don't feel like that has, has anything to do with it. But yeah. What, no, I don't think so. I think this is like a flow and effect, the same decision that was made for Assassin's Creed. I think yearly installments are not the way to go, especially now because Call of Duty has Warzone. Mm. It already has a platform for multiplayer play that is going to keep and, and makes a lot growing. of money. And makes a lot of money. I wouldn't be surprised if their multi- the Call of Duty multiplayer goes the same way as Halo Infinite, if it just becomes either free to play or it just becomes um, more of a, a game for service, where it's just an ongoing platform for its multiplayer development. I think it would be a fantastic idea for them to do that. Let multiplayer be ever-flowing, because we all know that is the real reason they released Call of Duty games every year, is because the multiplayer updates every year and the inflow of cash it would bring. Mm. If you can already have that as a basis that happens all year round, it doesn't really matter, and you, you can keep updating it that way, give a studio like Infinity War the time to create a game like um, the last Modern Warfare game that for many is a fantastic single player experience and has movie like qualities to and like a quality and caliber of detail that we don't see in Call of Duty games when they're every year. The crazy thing is that is the last Call of Duty game I heard anybody talk about in terms of a campaign. I didn't hear anybody Modern Warfare. Yeah. yeah like the last Modern Warfare, um, like the reboot of it. Yeah. Um, like I didn't really, I've I've never really heard of World War Two. Um, like apart from its kind of lead up with the Laura Bailey stuff, I didn't really hear much about the campaign or well, the one before Vanguard was Cold War. Was Cold War as well? Which Cold War again? They tried to do. Um, they they tried to have I guess the the wow effect of having uh, Ronald Reagan appear in it, but brought him back um, to life, reanimated him just to perform reanimated in that game like. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just. I, I think it, this is a really smart decision. I don't think this affects the. This has anything to do with Xbox. I would say this game, once it comes out, will be on PlayStation. Um, and I think I think Call of Duty will always be on PlayStation as well. I just think PlayStation will lose all the exclusive content that it previously got and being known as the home of Call of Duty, and that'll just be shifted over to Xbox. They'll literally just change roles in this kind of in the landscape when it comes to Call of Duty because I don't see I think Call of Duty is too much of a a cultural being in terms of gaming culture for it to be just kind of located on one console at this point. Yeah, I feel like it's it's funny because I feel like if Bobby Kodak, which we'll talk about again in a minute, if he had any say in anything, he would have been like. No, I don't feel like he would have done this. He would have been like, nah, whips to backs, fucking get get to work, get one out this year, make it better than the last year's, and make sure you make up for the money you lost me last year sort of scenario. So um, college of you taking a year off, I feel like, is only good, especially if 
you know, by the time the next college, it means that we'll have a year break and then by the time the Activision deal goes through and then the next Call of Duty to release will be a, uh, hopefully, uh, Activision under the Xbox umbrella, um, free of Bobby and all of the, uh, you know, I know we talked about how he gets a escape free thing or whatever, but, you know, as a company, Activision will hopefully get to us, uh, they get their come out with a new Call of Duty release that's not marred by what's happening in real world, which is what happened with Call of Duty uh, Vanguard, you know, Vanguard released and people were like, eh, like if I Google Activision at the moment, it's just a bunch of stories about, you know, sexual harassment, Bobby Kotick, uh, you know, all these horrible working conditions and stuff like that. So I feel like that was, I don't know. I don't know if that was completely affected everything, but maybe that was a part of the low sales. Confi- at least that had something to do with it, but. All right, um, believe it or not, Sydney is getting its own Fortress gaming venue, right? Press start, Shannon. Uh, Fortress Melbourne opened right as the pandemic swept the world, but has quickly become a popular gaming venue here in Melbourne with a tavern plus places to play games, board games, stream, and hang out with like-minded people. It also features a broadcast-quality esports arena within the venue. It seems as though Fortress is set to expand into Sydney, with the company's Twitter account introducing that Fortress, Fortress Sydney is on the way. We don't know a lot about the Sydney venue and if it'll have the same huge scale that the Melbourne venue does, but it's set to open at 2 Broadway, Chippendale, New South Wales. It's also set to open later this year. I gotta be honest, I saw this and I was like, they're open? I mean, I guess that makes sense because a lot of Melbourne has like opened up and started doing stuff, but... I think it's been it's been able to be open. I think as of recent, I think, you know... Uh, Victoria is a, a state that is on the up in terms of our COVID restrictions. As of uh, Friday last week, we can now... No masks. Um, we're pretty much back to normal. Like, other than uh, a couple of mask restrictions... Of just Isn't that just, like, bars and, and stuff like that? Yeah. Like, bars and hospitality and, like, people working in retail and stuff like that we still need to wear masks. But everything else, all other restrictions have really kind of been lessened. Um, so we are definitely at a point, and I believe New South Wales are the same. Um, at the point, I was surprised to hear this. This was already being announced, considering Fortress Melbourne has only existed during COVID. Yep, we talked it about it like a week. Had... It opened like a week before. Yes, yeah. we were. We yeah, talked it about it in the lead up. We were like talking about. It. We was like, "Oh, Kieran, you should go down there." And then, like, they, yeah, they opened, and it was like COVID. <laughs> COVID. Yeah, exactly. And and so, um, we are, you know, now at a point where it could potentially start to bring it. Obviously, it has seen that there is potential for growth in not only in Melbourne but in Sydney as well, um, which is, I think, a positive for esports and gaming in that same line. Um, that I think is a, is a positive. It's just an interesting and a uh, a very bold move business wise to to do, in my opinion. Um, so so quickly after kind of everything starts opening up again. Yeah, I mean, I I was worried for them the, them with what happened. I was like, man, I feel so bad for you because he's put like all that money or whatever into opening this place, and now COVID shut down. Like, I just assumed that it was going to be one of those horror stories of them having to close up shop and go away and we never would have known what have been and they're like apparently everything's okay and they're opening another one so i mean cool i guess i'm just very confused but cool 
You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's weird. Any thoughts, Ash? I mean, yeah, obviously it, it, it seems very quick, but, you know, sometimes you just need to go big, you know, to succeed, you know. Go big just double right down. Now. Double down. Or for all we know, like, the, the right space opened up and it's like, because obviously they needed it. It's a pretty big space. It's like a couple of stories. Massive, and like a very yeah. Big area of, you know, square footage or whatever. Might even go so there. Find an actual, yeah, we might actually be able to go there at PAX this year. Fingers crossed. The showing <laughs> PAX happens and we, some other force of nature doesn't stop us. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, for them to find a space like that in Sydney, unless it's going to be a bit different or smaller and that kind of thing. Uh, I think for the most part, it's probably, you know, they're like, man, we need to put a gamer bar in Sydney. So people are going to take bu- selfies in the bathrooms, right? Exactly. That's what you do. You fucking stealing my joke from fucking <laughs> what's the dub the other night, you motherfucker. Yeah. Yes. You paint a nice mural in your bathroom and people will come. Just put and some nice lighting. Yeah. Lots of neon lights. Yeah. Do we go there? Um, let's come back to Bobby <laughs> Kodak. Kotaku writes, Gaming Awards show host gets on stage, says, fuck Bobby Kodak. So, uh, Is this Mellon- a non-news story? What do you mean? Well, I mean, yeah. But, uh, yeah. It's like, he said what we're all thinking. Let's move on. Yeah. All right, then I'll fucking skip this story. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Um, no, I was interested to see. I don't know why. Well, it's a new story. wrote an article about it. Well, I'll yeah. tell you why in a second. Well, they point out why. It, yeah. Um, Bethesda, sorry, Bethesda executive Tom Howard opened the night with a monologue about the turmoil and uncertainty in the world, particularly as her, her, uh, horrific events unfold in Ukraine. He ta- talked about Wordle and The Sims before handing the stage over to Miller and co-host Jessica Chobot. Things got spicy from there as Miller called out Activision Blizzard CEO Bobby Kotick. After joking about Cyberpunk 2077, Metroid Dread and NFTs, Miller said, fuck Bobby Kotick to claps and cheers from the audience. It was a brief but critical moment, especially since the Game Awards host, Jeff Kelly was criticised for refusing to overtly name names in December. Generally, while many visible figures in the games industry are willing to decry, decree the general idea of harassment or espouse the values of diversity, it's much rarer to hear any specifics about what those remarks are in response to or what bad actors causing the issues might be. It doesn't mean that such remarks can't be thoughtful and incisive. Earlier, Dice, EA Senior Vice President and Chief Operating Officer Laurie Me- Mealy uh, didn't mince words when she said, quote, leaders who fall short of basic standards must go, end quote. But it's definitely unusual to attach names like Miller did, especially on such a public platform. So, yeah, I would, I agree wholeheartedly. I feel like the, the I did see a lot of stuff similar to what Ash was saying on Twitter, like, yeah, of course, fuck Bobby Kotick. But the, as the Kataki article points out, I do think it's very worth noting that um, the Dice Awards are a huge show. They are considered like one of the major uh, award things within the video game industry. Um, I The fact that people like Jeff Keighley and a bunch of other people uh, very carefully pick their words and never want to specifically say people's names has always been sort of a point of discussion. We've talked about it. So it was nice, you know, and I, it maybe it feels like obviously we all listen to or kind of funny and like, you know, what Greg Miller fans or whatever to – um, different degrees, but it's like, I definitely was good on you, Greg, because someone had to like, and it's like almost childish to just be like, fuck. I saw people be like, this is childish to be like, fuck, fuck Bobby Kodak. But I was like, nah, like just saying what everyone wants to hear. No. 
Fuck Bobby Kotick. <laughs> You're right. 2022, I, the year of being childish. <laughs> right. I think I think the big I saw a bit of discourse about this on online um, because people be like, well, yeah, this is you know he did it there, but why wasn't anybody doing this when the bad stuff was happening and all the terrible things were already happening? It's like. Look, yes, nobody. I mean, nobody can talk about it. I don't think Greg everybody is, any the, anybody who's famous and has put out a remarks about Ukraine has gotten a bunch of replies about all these other instances all over the Middle East and that yeah, kind of stuff. It, so it, I mean, you can't win in that regard. Like, yeah, true. you you can't win, and it's it's just looking at it. It's like no, but you've got to look at this as a way of this is finally the, the even this is, if this is opens the door for people in these award shows in these bigger spotlights. To stand up and to to say what needs to be said, and actually name names, and actually take a stand against it, instead of like the you know the like for for Jeff Keighley, like I think it just made Jeff in a bad light in the Game Awards because Jeff took this really weird stance of I'm going to be saying all this thing about we need to make sure we stand together and we look out for each other and that you know um, this kind of thing isn't okay, but at the same time was trying to be a bit too PR and, and avoid naming names and avoid directly referencing anything. He addressed and, the elephant saying, in the room, but he never called an elephant. Yeah, 100%. And I, and I think that is, that is like, oh, okay, so Jeff is just too worried that he's going to lose support from companies if he does this. Mm. And it's like, well, no, like, fuck that. Like, that's just... It needs people, even if it's just a simple fucking childish comment, like, fuck Bobby Kochik, that can be, you know, the, the small pebble that starts an avalanche of people standing up and actually doing what should be done against this stuff. I mean, the important thing is, it's not fuck, that, fuck Activision. It's specifically... No. Fuck Bobby Kochik. So, like, that's yeah. the, like, the key sort of thing. But I think, like, just... Continue this a little bit before we move on. I just thought it was interesting. Uh, it says, Miller told Kotaku via email that while he was prepared to debate the show's producers and writers about including such a clear critique in their speech, he not only didn't have to, but was also praised for being so upfront. Quote, as we got closer and closer to the Dice Awards, I knew that I wanted to monologue to say something real about both NFTs and abuse that's been allowed to run rampant in the industry. I had seen Jeff get blowback from the Game Awards for not naming names, so I was prepared to fight to get stuff like this in. Um, continue, he said, as for the crowd, I don't think they expect us to go so hard. There was, there was the usual smattering of laughs and groans, but there was also the addition of stunned silence. Everyone who approached me afterwards said they loved it and stood by my message. No one told me I was wrong. So yeah, if you do watch the clip, it's like some people like, I'll literally drop door, like drop their mouths. And then some of us are like laughing. Like it's a very like mixed (laughs) sort of, um, well, a lot of those, those, those award shows, the audio is not great. The, yeah. you know, they're always not great, but if you look at people's faces, like when it cuts to the crowd, you can see which, sort of which ones look like they're laughing and which ones are a bit like, oh, he said that, like, sort of thing, which was quite interesting. But yeah, I think um, we should just normalize saying fuck at award shows, right? Yeah, I reckon it's fine. Everyone always like, oh, no, like, there's at least one fuck every award show now when someone says it and they're like, ah, I like Yeah, it. Olivia Coleman, usually. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just drop an <laughs> F bomb, so that's fine. Um, and then let's run through the Game Awards. Oh, sorry, the Game Awards. The fucking Dice Awards, Awards yeah. Uh, let's run through Dice Awards winners uh, because the the show, of course, just 
going to go through all of them um, from bottom to top here, stopping the ones that sort of stand out. Kieran will complain about it takes two um, eventually. So outstanding achievement game direction went to Deathloop. Outstanding achievement game design went to it takes two. Online game of the year went to Halo Infinite. Mobile game of the year went to Pokemon Unite. Outstanding achievement for an independent game went to Unpacking. Yeah, Aussies represent. Aussie represent. Uh, Immersive yeah. Reality Game of the Year went to Lone Echo 2. Immersive Reality Technical Achievement went to Lone Echo 2. Strategy Simulation Game of the Year went to Age of Empires 4. Sports Game of the Year went to Mario Golf Super Rush. Role Playing Game went, of the Year went to Final Fantasy 14 and Walker. You're fucking. F- he hates it so much Let's now. Go. He doesn't sorry. even say anything. Sorry. No, sorry. I was zoning sorry. out this entire segment because of his hatred of Big Takes 2. I was. Sorry. There's been a cat randomly walking to my fucking room. What do you mean a for, random like, the cat? Whole podcast. Wait. Well, okay. It's one of the three. Okay. I was like, there's a random, random cat. <laughs> she's not random, but she is random at the same okay. time. She's the most antisocial cat in the world, but. For some reason, tonight during this podcast, she's decided she walks in and she'll start meowing until I pet her. So I just saw her walk in out of the corner of my fucking eye. And so I turned to look at her to say, all right, do it. I'm, I'm waiting. And, you know, that's caught on camera as Final Fantasy Endwalker yep. um, has done its there job. There you go. Cats more important <laughs> than Final Fantasy Endwalker. Head it here first. Cats are pretty cool, though. Racing cool. Game of the Year, Forza Horizon 5, Fighting Game of the Year, Guilty Gear Strive, Family Game of the Year. Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Adventure Game of the Year. Guardians into the Galaxy. Underperformed. Uh, action Game of the Year. Halo Infinite. Outstanding Technical Achievement. Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Outstanding Achievement Story. Guardians of the Galaxy. Outstanding Achievement Audio Design. Returnal. Outstanding Achievement in Original Music Competition. Returnal. Outstanding Achievement in Character. Resident Evil Village. Lady Dimitrescu. Outstanding Achievement in Art Direction. Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Outstanding Achievement Animation, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. And Game of the Year went to It Takes Two. So um, I don't I don't know how with all those awards, how uh, It Takes Two takes down over our well, just in case people are, Game of the Year. No, it doesn't. Ratchet and Clank. I should Rift just Apart. just like for, for people who don't I should read them. Just the Game of the Year, full nominees were Deathloop, Inscription, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, Returnal, and then yeah, It Takes Two got the got the big Big winner, 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 chicken dinner there. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. I, I don't dislike it as much as Kieran, obviously. I don't think it's going to be award, going to be award winning, but a lot of people do, I Kieran. Mean, I'm it, sorry. It, it actually is game yeah. for the award winning. So, mm. as much as you think it isn't, it, it, it factually is. At the Game is. Awards and Dice. the Dice Awards. Just wait till the BAFTAs come around. Yeah. You'll sweep there. Yeah, or the Game Developer Awards. Yeah, GDC. Yeah, I wonder if it'll win GDC. Don't know. They're the interesting one because they're only voted by uh, game like actual game developers. So, I mean, can't argue with them. So they're right. All right, talk about what we've been playing. Um, I've only played a bunch of shit you've already heard me talk about. So let's just talk about what everyone else has been playing. Uh, mainly, Elden Ring. Let's talk a little bit about Elden Ring. So before I get Kieran's thoughts, because he's uh, given a little bit of time, quick news story to set it up. Elden Ring is currently one of the best reviewed games in modern history. 
writes Elden, uh, writes IGN even. Elden Ring has been one of the gaming community's most anticipated games for years, and its review scores appear to be living up to the hype. Right now, Elden Ring is one of the highest scoring games on Metacritic and OpenCritic. The two websites compile scores from various outlets, giving an average score that is usually a pretty good indicator of the general critical consensus on the game. Over on Metacritic, the PlayStation 5 version of Elden Ring has a score of 97, tied with the likes of The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Grand Theft Auto V, Metroid Prime, and more. Only four games have ever scored a 98. They are the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of um, uh, Legend and the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time stands alone at ninety nine, and an open critic Elden Ring is currently tied with Super Mario Odyssey for the highest rating on the website at a ninety seven. Um, Kieran, Elden Ring, one of the greatest review games of all time, modern history. Checking it's uh, how's, how's that living up for you? How's your Elden Ring experience going? I, I, look, I actually think I think it's pretty damn good. I think it's pretty. Um, I don't think I can say yes, I agree, or yes, I'm 100%, because I've barely scratched the surface of this game. Um, I think I've only really just left the first opening area. Um, How many hours in? But uh, I would probably say close to 10, because I spent a decent portion of it. It's so just the fact that I've been in. exploring... Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing where I've been people seeing people like, yeah, I just finished it. I'm like, oh, fucking, I just beat the first proper boss. Um, Wait, people who didn't get the game before have beaten it? Yeah. Yeah. Guys, don't crunch over the week. Don't, don't crunch your game. <laughs> don't, don't, don't rush. Uh, but no, I think uh, it is in many ways a real breath of fresh air when I compare it to Horizon, which is kind of the other open world game I've been playing as of recent. Uh, I was I was saying uh, Saturday night during our stream and during um, between the cushions that like uh, uh, Horizon's map gives me anxiety and actually kind of in some occasions I've turned the game off because of that anxiety where it's like I see so much stuff on the map to do my brain just kind of overloads and I don't know where to start or I I find it really hard just to be like okay I'm just gonna focus on the main story because I feel like I'm missing you see Horizon um yeah, yeah, yeah. Horizon yeah um. It, one of the interesting things is, so, uh, like, Elden Ring, it was brought up in its, its build-up, is, like, it, there is no there is no quest log to Elden Ring, much like many Soulsborne games, and there is, um, like, there's, the map is very minimal in terms of icons. The map is beautiful to look at and very well drawn, and you can actually see on the map where locations would be and actually have an idea of something might be there. But the world is there for you to explore and you to discover what's going on. Um, I, I've i never played in depth or properly played a Soulsborne game before. I've dabbled. I you tried I to play the first opening. level of Bloodborne I and I watched you painfully get not far. get even out yep. of the first and area. I was bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, I so jumping into this one, I was prepared to die a lot. And there has been some deaths, and there has been um, a decent amount. I think one of the really nice things about this game being open world and the aspect that I don't think is really as available in other Dark Souls or Bloodborne is that as soon as I find a bit that I'm struggling with or I'm just like a bit frustrated with, I can just fuck off and go in a different direction. I can just teleport to a different... Like, actually, nicest shit that From Software is just free fast travel like you can just fast travel from wherever you are you don't have to get to a shrine you don't have to go anywhere you just open your map 
click the um, the location I mean, of grace that you want to go fair, to. To be fair, that's like most games. That's only just comparing it to Horizon, which doesn't let you do that. No, no, no. But I'm saying so. I, but I mean, like a lot of either have a cost included in it or have a place you have to go to or something. A, a fair amount, like or some. Okay, or you have to visit an NPC or something. All I'm saying is it's just open up and click and you go. And I think it's a really nice aspect of it. Um, I have just defeated the first boss. I have this real weird thing about how I defeated the first boss because I was not struggling, but I was learning and stuff. And then on a run, I decided, oh, I'm going to try out these spirit things that you get because you get a little bell and you can summon spirits. So I had a pack of wolves with me and I progressed a lot further because the boss had other things to hit other than me. And then as you go up to the start of a lot of these bosses, there's these little gold runes on the floor. If you hit those, there's an NPC and the NPC will come with you. So I walked into that boss. The first time I walked into that boss room with the gold NPC and the um, the wolves, I beat the boss. And part of me was like, oh, it doesn't feel like it's very like, personally, I'm like, I don't really feel like I earned that. I feel like I got the easier version of it. Um, but as a whole, I think that's something I just need to get over and keep playing the game. Otherwise, I'm just going to get stuck on something and give up. Um I find the exploration really fun. I find learning routes and, and learning um, different methods of combat really interesting. And like, there is there's a lot of character to this game in terms of things like well, actually, actual NPCs that I are not as cryptic or as bland or as kind of a little bit off the wall. There are just people that your character can talk to and interact with. Um, it does that thing that I liked about Hades that even if you felt like you weren't progressing, there would be little things that happened every now and then to feel like there's some kind of gameplay or campaign progression happening for you. Um, whether that's like the first time you, you meet a character who appears at your fireside when you stop at a fire, or, um, I think there was another one where I got teleported to like the hub area. Um, I think this game is, is full of lots of things to do, like, I think a lot of people have seen the, um, I guess it's the main first mini boss is uh, called the Tree Sentinel. He's a giant knight on a horse. Um, I really love the fact that you can, A, just look at him and go, nah, fuck that when you first, because he's right outside the starting area and just walk away and do something else. You can try and tackle him on foot, or once you get your horse, which is not too long into the game, you can try and learn how to fight on horseback. I like that it gives you a lot of choice. You know, I think yesterday while I was playing, I walked up to a bunch of enemies that were surrounding a, a fire pit of somebody they were burning at the stake. The stake went up in flames, and a giant fucking dragon flew down in the middle of the world and just started killing them. And I went, and a boss bar came up, and I just just got out of there. I just ran away on my horse. Probably for the best. I went, no, not today. Um, <laughs> or ever. I'll do that some other time. <laughs> yeah, that's, or ever. that's a normal human reaction. Um, <laughs> I had a lot of fun. Um, for anybody who doesn't have me on Twitter, I had a lot of fun tweeting or live tweeting while I was playing um, and just trying to keep it as non-spoilery as I could uh, with just Wait, my general thoughts. And- how, how did you tweet it out when there's no pause button? Uh, because I either teleported it to a shrine of grace, or I was in a safe spot. Well, there's not, there's not always enemies around. 
What also, no, I think that, the that's not map good, I believe. Dark Souls mm. games like. Think that the map pauses as well. Maybe I don't know. I, I heard pause. there is I no pause. The map there's never there's no, never pause in I Dark Souls or Souls games. There's never okay. any pause. That makes sense. But no, I think this is the most accessible Souls game there's ever been. I think um, there is a lot a lot of things that you can do to make your your experience better. Whether it is using spirits and collecting spirits, whether it is um, you know getting multiplayer help, whether it is getting yourself a bit like grinding a bit and getting yourself kind of higher leveled before approaching stuff. Um, I'm really enjoying it. I'm having a lot of fun. There's a lot more character, a lot more um, vigor to this world overall. And I'm I'm looking forward to keep kind of chipping away at it and, and going back and forth with this game. I don't think this will be a, I'm only playing this game. I think this will be a, you know, when when I'm not playing Horizon or something else, I'll go back to Elden Ring and just keep chipping away because the game seems like it's absolutely massive. Um, sorry, I am started the game yet, but a couple of points I thought interesting. Uh, most notably the comment about the, like this being the most accessible Souls game. Um, I've seen a lot of people who have, you know, played all the Souls likes say this mm. is like sort of like they, like, yeah, it's a little bit more accessible because you have options, but they're also like, it's probably still like the, a lot of people say it's the hardest or maybe the second hardest of the franchise, but it's just because you've got the options that sort of alleviates that, um, that brick wall head head just banging against the same boss over and over and over and because you don't have that maybe that's why it's going to be a lot better for people to play because they can just fuck off and do something but apparently the difficulty like people say a lot of the bosses in this are some of the hardest in the game so i mean the game has like a billion bosses too i don't know it's like over 100 or some shit so there was a lot there's a, i fought a lot of bosses a lot of times i've been like okay um is this a proper boss or is this a mini boss or is this some dude with a bigger health bar? What's the go here? I will say my toughest enemy of this game so far has been elevators. Cause you can elevators are rolling to your doom or something. Uh, a couple different ones. I got into the habit of, uh, if there's an elevator before a boss fight, send the elevator back up for myself. Mm. So I have an easier mm. time. And uh, the problem with that is there's a lot of times so far in a couple of the elevator areas where, You've had to jump off the elevator to get to a different section. Like the elevator hasn't stopped everywhere. Um, so there's been a couple of times where I've jumped off, not realized that I've sent the elevator up, and then I've gone to jump down onto the elevator, and there's no floor under it. There's just a pit of death. And I've done that several times. And there was one of the times I lost like five cave runes, which are the equivalent of souls in the previous in the previous games. That was a that was a hard pill to swallow. Um, because once they're gone, they're gone. What are you playing as, by the way? I'm playing as a samurai. Oh. I did a bit of research. I do advise, do some research before you start, if it's, especially if it's your first time um, playing, because I thought samurai is very well-rounded. I get kind of a good uh, combination of using my bow and arrow to take to kind of thin ranks out. And then the samurai sword's really cool. It's got a mechanic called uh, bleeding, that once you... Uh, hit a character enough it'll fill up a bleeding bar and then once that bar's full it'll make them hemorrhage a, hemorrhage a large chunk of damage all at once um so that's a really fun mechanic there's a lot of little mechanics like that that i really like like i enjoy that poison isn't just straight up you start taking damage it's 
you have to wait till the poison bar is filled and the better you are at immunity and stuff like that to poison, the longer it takes for the bar to fill. Um, yeah. There's a lot of... There's a lot of the more punishing stuff that hasn't happened to me yet. Like, I haven't opened a t- chest and be teleported the other side of the fucking map yet. I'm looking forward to that. I mean, at least um, they don't kill you. Like, other Souls games where you'd open the chest and it would just kill you, so... Yeah. Yep. There's been lots of, like, jump scares where I've, like, shit myself when something has been hiding around the corner. Or, um... There was one where a guy just randomly came up and backstabbed me. I was like, you fucking bitch, what the fuck? That's my thing. I backstab everybody. Um, but no, I'm having a lot of fun. I will uh, admit to one sin where there was one guy in a very small room. He was a big armored dude that I was like having a real bad time killing. Um, and then the final time I rolled out of the room and he got stuck on the door. And I just killed him while he was stuck on Probably the door. Probably fine by so, me. Um, that, I, like cheesing enemies when and wherever you can, 100% not even, that's a, that's a, everyone does that playing those games. I can, I can guarantee everyone excellent. does that playing those games. Excellent. That's no, part that's of the experience. He was, he was a jerk. Um, the only thing that is not frustrating me, but something I'm having to get my head around is weapon switching is a little bit frustrating for me because to use my katana's main abilities, I have to go two-handed. Mm. Um, what, how do you switch? So, is it like on the D-pad or did they change it? No. Oh, no, because... Well, kind of on the D-pad, but... So the D-pad has my two weapons if I have both my bow in one hand and my sword in the other. I play on Xbox, so if you hold, you have to hold the Y button or triangle on the PlayStation. And then to make it go two-handed on my sword, I have to hit right bumper. Hmm. I think right bumper once or twice. But if I've got my longbow in my hand, I have to hit hold Y, press right bumper once to make it pull the sword out, and then press that same combination again to make it two-handed. Yeah, that's... Which makes switching a little cumbersome when I'm switching between... Because, you know, the idea is at the start of a boss fight, you ping the boss a couple times while it's running at you and then switch to a weapon. Um, But, yeah. Other than that, everything else has been pretty stock standard, pretty normal. So just an interesting story to add on here too. So PC Gamer uh, has a story that says Taka Miyazaki, creator of Soul Series and Elden Ring, gave an interview to New York Ta- New York New Yorker, sorry, covering his inspirations, artistic goals, and some ruminations on his meteoric rise through the games industry in the past decade. Miyazaki was candid about his own mechanical skills with games, expressing, "Quote: I've never been a very skilled player. I die a lot. If death is to be more than a mark of failure, how do I give it meaning?" How do I make death enjoyable? Miyazaki was adamant in the interview that his game's difficulties are core part of their nature, but he wasn't dismissive of criticisms of players turned off by their design, offering that he f- does, quote, feel apologetic towards anyone who feels there's just too much to overcome, end quote, in his games. But that's just, but that he just wants, quote, as many players as possible to experience the joy that comes from overcoming hardship, end quote. Um... PC Gamer continues, I was fascinated by the features, uh, exploration of Miyazaki's personal story. He grew up under difficult circumstances and took a well-paying but unfulfilling job out of college to help support his family after making a, a late career shift to the games industry inspired by Fumutu Yada's Eco. Miyazaki was put in charge of a failing project to give the license to take risks with it. The project would end up being 2009's Demon Souls, which established the series' most defining characteristics. Um, yeah, it's a good article, but yeah, I think it's funny how he's like, 
I mean, he's sticking to his guns throughout it, like sort of being like, you know, he's. He, I don't it's think he's bullshit. I don't feel like he's being like bullshit. Like I do feel like it's like, like him, like within his nature to be like, I do feel sorry, but the whole, I just want people to experience the, see, I don't feel like he builds the game. I, I truly do believe that's what he built. Like, and I understand it to a degree, like that line about, I want as many players as possible to experience the joy that comes from overcoming hardship. I don't think that's some like, mis- you know, like bullshit line he's throwing out. I do think that's why the games are designed to be hard. They're not designed to be hard because he, th- he wants to make them for true gamers. I think he just loves that general, feeling. G- that feeling that comes from beating a very challenging boss in a video game. And then that endorphin feeling you get following that. I feel like that's what he builds I the games around. I agree. So... I agree, because I think, you know, when I beat Man on Horse, as I lovingly called him, um, it felt great. Like, it felt euphoric, especially him being in the open world was especially different, because it means when I run back through that area in future, he's not going to be roaming around there anymore. He's gone. I don't have to deal with that, but I get to experience that memory and, and look back at that a little bit more yeah, as I'm running you through. You've run through him, like, there used um, to be a Man on Horse around here. Used to be man on horse around here. Now I'm the man and the horse around here. People better come challenge me and get destroyed. Yeah. I mean, I saw, like, I know because, like, not spend too much time on it because it just sort of gets boring to discuss this to a degree. But, you know, the difficulty discussion every time a Souls game or a hard game releases, but primarily a Souls game. But I think Danny O'Dwyer did, like, just a funny couple tweets about it. I saw this morning where he's like, it is interesting that the Souls games, a, uh, a niche genre that targets like a very specific like sort of type gamer or whatever has now blown up to the point that it is such a huge game. Like Elder Ring was this massive game, even though it shouldn't be almost. Winner of two game awards for most anticipated game. Yeah. Like it's this massive thing that everyone gets, has got so excited about as one of the most well-reviewed games of all time. But, and yet it also causes all this discussion around how people can't actually beat it. And yet it's like the most talked about game and a lot of people won't build it. Like he's like, there's not, he, he was, I think rightfully pointing out, there really hasn't been maybe another franchise or less franchise, I guess like developer with a, a type of game that's done something like this, like has created such a niche <laughs> game that has grown into this massive thing. And it like it's makes a lot of money for sure because it's been selling like hotcakes, most talked about thing. And I'm guaranteeing more people will probably try this one than any other game because it's been talked about and reviewed so highly. I reckon this will be a lot of people's first Souls like. Um, but yeah, it just targets such a sp- specific audience, and most people buying it probably won't even end up finishing it. Which like compared to other like you compare that to all the other games and like the 90 plus Metacritics, most people who probably brought the 90 plus Metacritic games would finish them. I would say this would probably be the lowest percentage finished of a 90 plus Metacritic game, you know, which is just, it's quite interesting. But I, for, I think this is a cultural phenomenon. To a degree, yeah. I would say of, so, yeah. This is, this is going to be one of those flagpole games that marks either a generation or marks a period of time where no matter what, majority of gamers are going to be talking about this game or know of this game or have either been watching people on Twitch play this game or playing it for themselves or, you know, reading and learning more about it. And and I think that's something that's really cool and it brings people together in a really shitty time of, you know, there's a lot of shit things going on in the world right now. So 
I think it's nice that there is something like being frustrated over dying endlessly to a boss in Elden Ring that is bringing people together at a time like this. Yeah, it's been interesting to read all the Twitter discussions, especially as I'm just um, committed to not starting it until I've got the time to commit to it a bit more. But um, as much as I I'm, really I'm also want committed to, to not playing not it playing until... It, yeah. Fuck off, yeah. until You're just not TBD. playing it. <laughs> I feel bad, though, because this was like obviously one of my most anticipated games of the year, and I just, like, I'm like trying to be like, it's fine. It'll, but I feel, I feel like you do have... You do have, I think, nicely. I think you have you are you are in the nicer position where yes, it's not nice for our organization or our, our website that um, we're probably not going to have a review up for it for a little while. I won't do a game. review, so I mean, yeah, I, I didn't get, I didn't get, sent, I didn't set, though, but didn't, I don't think, didn't get yeah, we didn't get sent a code, so, so we, under no we're not obligation. under obligation to write a review. I feel bad for those people, not feel bad, but there was a lot of people that came up because they only got. Uh, early access codes for this game a week most reviewers got it a week and a half it seems to be the longest time people had it maybe maybe a couple weeks before it and this is at least a 70 to 80 hour game if not more if not more and you know you've got so many you there's so many people who had to rush it they had to be stressed about it they probably got to a nice point where, as a company, they decided, oh, we're not going to make embargo. We're just going to go with what we've got. Um, but, yeah, at least you get to sit down and play a game you're excited for at some point. And I, I hope you do find a week at some point a where month. you're like, I can dedicate my... <laughs> you can, like, I dedicate my gaming time to playing Elden Ring. Um, Even if it's like you make it like a two-hour stream where you're like, I'm going to play Elden Ring, and this is probably the only time I'm going to get to play Elden Ring. If you want to justify it in your mind as to why you're playing <laughs> yeah, this game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm exactly. looking forward to it. Um, i I got to be honest, I don't love um, the amount of time people have been saying it takes. I, I'm i not <laughs> a big fan of that. I'm, I'm hoping that maybe it comes out that that 80-plus hour runtime or playtime has been because a lot of people, the reviewers, spend a lot of time fucking around on mini bosses and stuff they don't need to or I, something. I but think, now you've got all these guides that have come out. I think maybe the thing it'll is, help. Yeah. I, no, that's the thing, right? I think if you had a roadmap that for you and your time said, hey, go here, go here, go here, go here. Yeah. This is like your... Your path you need to, do, to yeah. what you need to do. Yeah. But I mean, like, I yeah, I would I love to platinum helps. the game if it's at all a, a possibility. But like, also, like Bloodborne plat probably took me fifty to sixty hours. Demon Souls plat took me, I think, maybe forty hours. You know what I mean? Like, none of these games. I've, I've platinum games in less time than it apparently takes to finish this one, let alone platinum it. Like, I'm like, that's very mm. long for a game like this. Is how I feel. Like, I feel like these hard, grueling games. I much prefer them to be shorter because. You know, you get the end inside. Funny that. It's just, I think, I think the thing, I think the thing about this game that is both the beauty of this game and maybe the the not downfall, but maybe a drawback for people who want that experience is the exploration of this game. Mm. Exploration is supposed to be very organic. It's supposed to be, I have found a hole in, I have found a cave. I'm going to go explore this cave, or I found this little nook. It's led me on this whole other adventure. And I'm now on this mini boss that I'm just gonna I'm gonna keep chipping away at and killing, and and fighting until I can kill it. I think there is because of the lack of um, icons on the map, the lack of script of like straight up quests. 
the game is yours to do with it as you please and to explore it as you mm. want to explore it. You could very easily just mainline like a traditional Dark Souls game, get to the next story boss, and just keep smashing your head into that wall until you beat it. I, I, there is definitely the you could play the game like that. I don't think the game forces you to go and do all that exploration. It's just where the the time probably blows out, and probably and like you know where my time went is a lot of exploration, a lot of you know learning what's going on, um, roaming around, see a bush that's like, oi, you there, stop, stop and talk to me. And you're like, what the fuck is the bush? Um, like there's there's just lots of little moments that I think definitely changed the way we play the game in terms of a Dark Souls game. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing that everyone's raving about is the open world design um, paired with the the combat and general uh, boss design, I guess, of, like, everyone loves about Souls-likes, um, Souls-borns. So, and, but it's, it's the open world design that I feel like everyone that I see is raving as the, you know, this, everyone comparing it to Breath of the Wild in, in terms of, I guess, doing something pushing the open world design forward um and it is just unfortunate horizon really <laughs> all right like i don't know if you want to comment like how it feels a little bit more like how, how are you feeling about horizon in general at the moment like like if you could go play one game now would you want to play horizon or Elden Ring? depends <laughs> i feel like for horizon right i feel like for horizon I need to be in the mood that is a lot more structured and a lot more motivated about I'm going to go into this game and I'm going to clear off some stuff on the map. I'm going to keep going through the story. I don't know why. The game just makes me feel like that. Whereas Elden Ring, I just have a little bit. (laughs) There's 50 billion icons on the fucking map and I have a terrible time being like, I could just walk past them all to go to the story. It's like, I can, but at the same time, I kind of want to go see what's going on and, and work all this shit out. Um, whereas Elden Ring, I feel like if I had, like, say if I only had an hour to spare, I would probably go play Elden Ring. Mm. Because I could, even if I was, like, stuck at a boss that I'm having a terrible time with, if I just had an hour to blow, I could just go teleport to a different part of a map and go to, go for a bit of a jaunt. Mm. Go for a walk. Go for an explore. See what I find. See what I run into. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's exploration in a very natural way that we don't really get from games if that if that makes sense in, in today's kind of gaming culture the other thing i've seen obviously sifu like the conversation i've seen people having that compared to this and again i think it's been quite interesting just the number one thing being pointed out is sifu banging your head against the same boss over and over and over and people being like that's why i hated that game i'm enjoying Elden Ring a lot more because I can just go do something else. So I, that is the number one takeaway I feel it has been for this game is just just, just that I can do, go do something else. I can I can walk away compared to just banging like, it. It's especially when you just look at the map, you can just see a section of the map you have no uh, shrine of graces. I, I believe they call it. That's what they call it. There's yeah. something of grace. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, seeing where I have none of those on that part of the map, I'm like, oh, that means I can just walk in that direction and see what I find. Hmm. And, and see what happens. There's got to be one over there somewhere. And just have a, a walk and see what happens. And and, and I think, um, yeah, Sifu definitely doesn't have that structure where it's just like, I guess maybe more like a traditional Dark Souls game where it was just keep belting through. Like, I guess at least with Dark Souls, people can run past the enemies. 
with Sifu, there's just some enemies you you have to fight mm. and you have to get through to, to level and progress. Um, I actually watched like a speed run of the true ending. Was it Dan Allen's one? It was actually really interesting. Uh, I don't know whose it was. It was the world record holder. Probably not. Um, it was really fucking hilarious because there was this one point that I've also seen. I saw maybe Alana Pierce do a full run through of the first hmm. level. And she's like, this warehouse section, you sneak in and you take the ones out one by one and then you fight the rest. This dude like pissed everybody off in the room, ran up, and then one he by one them threw off, them yeah. off the balcony. I watched this video too and I was like, that's actually a really smart way to do it. The, the thing is, watching those videos, he makes it look so easy, but to throw someone off, you have to perfect parry them and then like perform a throw. Yes. So like he perfect parries, perfect parries, perfect parries. Like fro- like it's it makes it look so easy though. Like it's just, yep. it's kind of funny. It makes it look dumb just how much he just yeets these guys <laughs> off of a balcony. And then the la- it's the funniest part though is the last guy that stood there he has like six or seven weapons on the floor in front yeah. of him, and he just kicks them all yeah. at him one by one and kills him with all the leftover weapons. It's um, that's quite good. That's, I, 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 I appreciate that. um, speed. I think it's like less than half yeah. an hour he beats the game in. It's 22, 22 yeah. minutes for the whole what, game. From start um, or from just a run start, start to finish. The, the thing that's start it, to the, the thing that's worth pointing out if people start doing speed runs of Sifu, because it has become quite popular. I've seen a lot of people try speed running it. I, I think it's just because the combat style and because it's a few specific levels and I think speedrunners have like sort of liked that sort of thing. But um, I think they'll end up being two type of speedruns. So the ones that most people are doing for Sifu currently is they've unlocked the shortcuts for the bosses. So that means, okay. so for people who haven't played Sifu, level one, there's like a halfway level shortcut, but you still have to play the majority of the level. Level two, uh, like a, a slight shortcut, but you still have to play the majority of the level. Level three, more or less go straight to the boss. Uh, level four, you have to play some of it. And level five, you can like skip half the level to go to the boss. So there's like, level three is the biggest, like you don't have to play anything. Biggest skip. I was a little bit confused watching that. I was like, so when you unlock, when you unlock the level skip in level three, you pretty much like you start in his museum, you walk up to an elevator, you get it, you go to the boss. Um, that's not how that level plays out the first time you play it at all, but that's how most people are doing speed runs. I reckon there'll be a different type of speed run that is a, Fresh Hard, save, fresh tip, no yeah. ability is unlocked, and those speed runs will be a lot longer because like tutorial stuff. And well, you will just have to play through the whole level. Plus, you don't have abilities unlocked. Like th- this dude's like you know, where he's kicking the weapons at people. That's an unlocked ability that you don't mm. have that from the start of the game. So there are certain things where yeah. um, I think the throw is also unlocked ability. So there are certain things there. But yes, so it's sort of fr- like I'm guessing there'd be a speed run category for like a fresh yeah. save and one that's that would not. be a lot longer. Um, but yeah, it's, I thought it was still. Really interesting. It's it's cool, and I I would I'm actually interested now to go and see a full run of like a fresh save, um. But that was like yeah, the true ending with zero deaths and, um, yeah, the really interesting. It, uh, no, I don't want to ask that because that's a spoiler. I'll ask you off there because there okay. was one series. Um, but I will say I've yeah I've, I've watched that and I'm st- I'm still enjoying watching Seafu. I think it's just a very enjoyable game to watch people it's, do it's, perfectly. It's very. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's very much like. It's it's poetry in motion yeah. a lot of the time. Like such are the the interesting things of like what weapons people are grabbing, the the intricacies of the combat, of how they're moving around, the um different choices that they make, um is, is always really interesting to watch and see. So um oh, it's like a it's like yeah, a no, long I think it's it's a cool game. Kung Fu action movie, right? 
Just like a short comfy action it's, movie. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> short. It's like, you know, literally as I was watching it, I was like, this is John Wick. This is but like- There's no guns. Everyone John always Wick compares it to John Wick. I'm like, there's no guns in this. No guns, but it has just like this this feeling of just this constant one-man army that is like very much classic kung hmm. fu. But I guess that's just the more modern day stuff that we can compare. It's the right. It's it's more the right, yeah. I the the John Wick thing I just feel like is like such the it just annoys me because like John Wick combat to me is like it's like uh gun few, you know, whatever you want to call it. Like it's yeah, it's like built around guns, guns. being involved in, in in the combat. Like even if you're fighting hand to fist, you're still having a um gun, or if not like a weapon, and then like eventually there's a fucking gun. So like that's a big part of it, whereas Sifu is literally um based entirely on hand fist and weapons but no mm. no guns all right they'll do it unless uh have you got something ash did you have something to talk about or no i'm still no. playing horizon horizon how's, how's horizon horizon how's horizon going yeah good? lots of side quests yeah it's yeah. leveling up are you still getting told are you still getting told you can't do this section because you're missing no equipment? because i don't go well yeah i guess technically there's block paths because i haven't got unlocked certain things they're scattered all over the place yeah. but yeah I haven't ventured too far. Well, it's actually, minor, minor thing. How do people feel about uh, Machine Strike? Because I've seen a lot of people complaining about Machine Strike recently, oh, and I'm like, game. what? That game? The, the chess yeah, game. That's fine. I was like, it's not. I was like, it's good. It's, it's all right. It's not amazing. It's not something you you desperately want to do. No. It's like, even the, the fighting pits, they're not super fun. Uh,. I've done but, all the fighting you know, pits. Well, that's just but, because you know what? If they make the, the, a Horizon, if Machine Strike, actual set, probably pick it up. Yeah, that that'd be cool. But also at the same time, Horizon's melee combat has never felt good. So the fighting pits, I always thought. I'm still was. late. I'm hoping one day my Orlog Kickstarter is supposed to be coming on the way. I kept getting all these emails saying there was like a shipment container hold up, like you know, general COVID bullshit and all this sort of stuff. But um, that was something that I know, like I'm pretty sure I did mention on here when I kickstarted that, like way back, probably September, October, maybe something like that last year. But that because that's a really good, to- like that's probably my most recent favorite uh, game inside a game was Orlog from Assassin's Creed uh, Valhalla. That was some good shit. Mm. I'd actually play that with people because it's very simple. It's just dice. You know what I mean? Like. I like I like dice, simple dice games, but yeah, I mean, if people made a real version of what's it called, Machine Strike, Machine yeah. Strike, yeah. I feel like you could make that into a, like it's got. I feel like it's got the core there to be a better game, but I don't feel like there's enough there that it super interests me. I probably played it for half an hour or whatever, like the first person in the main, the first town. Maybe or whatever. it gets more interesting when you've got more intricate. <laughs> yeah, pieces. maybe. Yeah. Okay. Um, if you want to hear us, we'll go deep dive. Of course, now probably weekly horizon update that'll be on platinum explosion this week of course we'll be talking about it for the next couple of weeks i guess at this point um as we keep playing it or at least for the next couple of weeks maybe i finish it next week who fucking knows um maybe so you're still mainlining it uh off and on i'm i'm doing a main quest and a couple side things okay. or what like I, i'm not like i'm not i'm not beelining be but i'm interested to I'm, see if you're ahead of me or not technically <laughs> I looked at your trophies last time. I'm not. You're, you're okay. like one thing. You're one thing ahead of me, I think. Or we're up to the same I thing. Probably maybe. pulled I, ahead I today. Yeah. Um, I reckon you would have, yeah. But like, yeah, I'm, I'm not beelining it because I don't want to ruin the game for myself. I'm playing it in what I would call a... Yeah. A casual like, way? You know, yeah. 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 I'm, I'm not like main quest, main quest, main quest. I'm just main quest, handful side things, main quest, 
handful of side things. Not, not, not like I'm going to spend the next six hours doing side things. I'm just like, I'll do a few so I level up a little bit, you know, then go to the main quest. You know what, I kind of wish if if the game was in like sizable chunks compared to like the first area, but like getting a little bit bigger each time, I would be more akin. I'd be probably more like, oh, sweet, I can clear this area before I, I think turn it's, to the like, next Like, for thing. example, last but, night I did a main quest and then I saw where that main quest stopped. I was like, oh, there's a toll neck over there. So I went and did the toll neck and then there was a side quest like right next to it so i was like i'll do that and then by the time i finished that mm. side quest there was like a another thing like side quest right next to it so i did that and then by the time i did that there's nothing else near me so then i was like all right now i'm gonna wander up to the main quest and i just make sure to stop at every campfire along the way and like kill some kill and scan as many dinos as i can on the way as i'm sort of going and making sure to stop at every campfire to unlock it and stuff like that and i get to the next main quest i'm like cool like i'm i'm good like i'm still over the recommended level so you know what? I felt like a, this is how much, or maybe how little attention I played at some trailers, obviously, to games I already am like, I already know I'm going to play this. I hadn't fucking triggered that it was all dinosaurs. I don't well, know how. All dinosaurs. It was just they're a very... All dinosaurs. Well, there's just a lot. Like, there's there's kangaroos and stuff, Yeah. But, like, the... Fucking leapers. The, the main things... The are, first game was... I'm dealing with them the first the game was primarily animals. Yeah. It was, like, um, just a thunder troll. Yeah, and now the, now the plot line is it's a bit more dinosaurs because, like, the machines ran out of animals, so they went through human history and found other shit to create, more or less, I guess is the the story behind that, I think. Is that right, Ash? Is I guess, yeah. the, well, I guess the thing got corrupted, so they're doing more killer machines. Yeah, instead so, of nice ones, yeah. Yeah, so dinosaurs also, are killers. I have to say... Yeah. I wish the weapons wheel had more options. Yeah. <laughs> segments to it. Options to it. Because I feel like like even in the small areas I've played, there is more fucking types of weaponry that I've been given that I can't put on my oh, wheel. I've got so I'm many like, weapons. I should probably sell some. <laughs> are you I'm upgrading everything, even if it's something that I mm. don't need necessarily. No, I'm like, I'll just, just upgrade you. Just to cool. knock that thing off so it's not the one is not next yeah. to that thing, yeah. I'll tell you what I did do, though, exactly. before you wrap up, just side note. Because I, I did look at Ash's trophies last night, because I was like, I wonder where, like, just to see if you, I had passed you somehow or something like that. <laughs> um, but I was, like, looking for your trophies. I had the one for, like, upgrading every pouch at least once or whatever, and you didn't. Um, and I was like, I think that was because at the start of the game in the first area, I just made, like, a little, like, you know, you can make your own quest for stuff. I made my own quest for every single one. And, That's and really just nice went around and, like, got all the animal parts I needed. No, no, and, like, no. no. do you know what it was? I And I only just unlocked this trophy. I had not bought any food until I needed to for a quest. Oh, like to eat, really? Like as in, like you had it for the side. You hadn't even done the side quest, or did you do the side quest? But you didn't talk to him again for the free food. I don't think he gives you free food. Okay, he does. Well, he gives you, yeah, he you, gives you one first, free meal. I got two free. Oh, meals. Well, whatever it is, he gives you one or two free meals. Maybe, so, it's like but, a, yeah, a no, basic he, stew he, thing. Yeah. If you talk to him the second time after you no, do his quest, he's like, "Yeah, the first lot." This lot's on me. And you go, thanks, mate. And you go, yeah, I thought I had, free. but obviously I hadn't. So Yeah, I, I've been using... Because the tutorial the thing game. didn't pop up till yeah. I, I mean, what th- this is from the opening area of the game. So, like, I've yeah. been using food the entire game because, like, pretty much every time I go into a big fight, I pop a stew because it gives you, I think, plus 25 attack, plus 25 defense mm. or something like that. So I've been using those Smart. the entire game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're like little I've, I've not... 
<laughs> Look, I'm playing the game properly over here, you know. <laughs> eat my food before battles. Playing the game. Yeah, properly. eat my eat my dinners before the game. Um No, you, you right. get sick stomach, right, when you do physical activity after you run. That's what actually, they say, but it's all lies. Exactly. I couldn't think of anything worse getting into combat mm-hmm. after you've eaten a heavy stew. Fuck that. Oh, that that's gotta be the worst. <laughs> yeah. Feel like kind of sloshing around inside of you. Yeah, you're, gonna, be, you're gonna send your own projectiles back at these. <laughs> these guys firing ass at you. I just remember something else I played just quickly that I just want to say I was very annoyed about. So, oh my the, just before, God. this is just a quick side note. I'm not actually going to talk about it. But, like, the other day I was like, I need to pop in town. I need to go to a couple of shops. And then they had, like, a Pokemon uh, Go day thing on. So I was like, uh, I'm going to town anyway. I'm like, I might as well spend an extra hour in town just, like, do a, a lap walking around. You know, walking's good for you and all that sort of stuff. So I was like, I'll do the event today. So th- it costs, like, $8, <laughs> right, for this event because it's, like, one of the major ones you go buy a ticket thing for. What? So I bought... Uh. Uh, like real world, it's like one of the major you, ones. It's like, you give me shit for spending money. Yeah, eight dollars compared to eight hundred. Calm the fuck down. <laughs> the- <laughs> of eight hundred, um, so right two thousand. Yeah, and you're supposed to get these like increased shiny chances, right, for Pokemon because you spend eight dollars and whatever. So I was like, yeah, cool. I better get some shinies. I got one shiny the entire fucking time. Um, entire time wandering around. Everyone else is playing the game for five minutes of catching shinies just around the center. Shree got like fucking 15 or some bullshit. I see all these people on Twitter posting shinies all day. I reckon I got completely shafted. Um, I would like a refund, Ni- Niantic. You wasted my time. Fuck you. The game's bad. Um, Should have looked more carefully for the shinies. Bullshit. Yeah. Probably a, no. a couple extra streets over. Mm, it's fucking outrageous. I wasn't happy. I tell you what, I was not happy. I was very, I was actually legit annoyed. Um, anyway. Let's say any comments, questions, or concerns you have about the show by tweeting in us or joining the Discord. You can find all of our Twitters by heading to explosionnetwork.com slash Twitter. If you follow Kieran over there, you can see him do his live tweets at Elden, Elden Ring. I'll do yeah. more live tweets. I enjoy it. Join our Discord. Come talk to us over there. Explosionnetwork.com slash Discord. It's helpful when we're doing What the Dub Nights. And you can be part of it if you are. Oh, we'll post the thing in the Discord only chat. Uh, if you liked this episode and thought it was worth a dollar or more, head on over to explosionnetwork.com slash support to donate as little as a dollar um, to help support the show, the website, and uh, Arca Couch Between the Cushions, your free show that should be worth a dollar. It's, it's free show that other people, people pay, this, make you pay This for. show's worth a dollar. That one won't be, but anyway. Oh. It's fine. No, but it is <laughs> worth a dollar. We're just not making you pay yeah, a dollar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. See you here, same time, same couch, next week. Bye-bye.